Oh, we be live. Hello. 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 <laughs> oh, Idris is in Italy. He says hello from Italy. Nice. Hi, everyone. Um, AGA is telling everybody while you wait, please take a moment to like, share, and subscribe. Enjoy. Thank you, AJ, for that. Uh, Sergo is saying, I hear so much bad news that I'm desensitized to tra tragedy. Oh, that's not good. Um, is the news tragic today? Some of it is. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Some of it, guys. It's only some of it. So that means that this, we have some good news today. Is the puppy there? Because there was a puppy right behind you, and we need puppies to make us feel better about the news. Okay, right now he's right below me trying to get some pets, but maybe soon he'll go back on the couch and I can display him maybe probably. Like put some treats on the couch so we can see him. We're going to need therapy. Well, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Nah, it was right there before we went uh, on the couch before we went live, and now he'll there. probably go back to sleep over there soon. Okay. <laughs> Um, so guys, tell us where you're watching from, and I'll try to highlight them as we go, as we discuss things. Like, look, somebody's saying from Philippines, hi from Madagascar, watching from Jamaica, uh, somebody's Sorry. telling us that we all need God, okay, um, sure, dogs are good, yes, guys, tell us where you're watching, tell us, tell us, tell us, Philippines. As long as it's safe for you, of course. Yes, yes. New, uh, New South Wales, um, and then Australia, Australia, and then Philippines, and then U.S. Cool, cool. I'm in L.A. I think you're a bunch of soulless <laughs> bastards. Okay, but if wait, this is a contradiction because this person said you all need God, and now the same person who says that we are a bunch of soulless bastards. If we're soulless, then we don't need God. Like why would it? Why would a creature without soul need God? You take there's no if you don't have a soul, there's nothing to save. So check your face. You have a point. You have a point. Yeah, <laughs> watching from Philippines, per from Australia. Um, what is how do you pronounce this? Algeria. Algeria. No, that's not how you spell Algeria. Ohio. That's how you say it in French. It makes oh, me that's French how you say it. French. Okay, okay. Pakistan. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, there he is. Oh, there we go. Yes, puppy there time. He is. Guys, can you stay there? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's cute. Oh, I froze. Oh, that's okay. That's good. That's good. Tell it. Tell tell him to stay there when we have depressing news, so that we could feel. Okay, cool. Oh, now we could just see his tail. It left. <laughs> so cute. He's attacking the pillows. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, I'm gonna keep highlighting the comments where people say that where they're from, as we cover the news. Oh, Romania, Romania. Hi. Um. <laughs> AGA is saying f this particular pillow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, from Italy. Yes. Cool. All right. So we're going to cover 10 different news items, mostly about religion. Um, and what countries are we covering today? We have a bunch of news from India. We have Iran, of course. We're doing a big Iran update. Um, we also have a story in Mexico, which is crazy. Um, Afghanistan, the U.S., and Germany. And actually one from Pakistan. Okay. Pakistan, too. Cool. 
Bad news for Pakistan, I'm assuming. <laughs> yes. Oh shit. Okay. So stop laughing. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have made that okay. The way you said it, I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> one day we will have saying yeah, one day we, if we have good news from Pakistan, that should be a celebration day. Because we usually don't have good news from Pakistan. We once had the good news from Pakistan. I forgot what it was. But we were shocked. Like, oh my God, the news about is about Pakistan. It's good news. But usually Pakistan is bad news, unfortunately. Well, usually the good news from Pakistan is like, oh, someone that was accused of blasphemy that was on death row got acquitted. Yes. Like, yeah. and then now they're going to have to be on the run because people try to lynch them outside of prison. So, mm. unfortunately. Okay. All right, the first news at least. I think the first news is clappable. Can we clap for the first news? Um, basically, yes. Yes. Okay. First news. First news. Iranian female rock climber competes without hijab but faces retaliation. Recently, Iranian female professional rock climber Elnaz Rikabi publicly competed in an international rock climbing event in Seoul, South Korea without a hijab. The images of her climbing while her hair flowing in a pony while her hair was flowing in a ponytail went viral. Her act was viewed as a sign of solidarity with the women of Iran and in a rejection of clerical authority. Soon after she competed, she went missing with her family unable to contact her. BBC's Persian service confirmed that the Islamic regime confiscated the athlete's phone and passport after she competed. There are other reports that she was lured into Iran's embassy in Seoul, where she was then taken directly to the airport. When she arrived back in Iran, she received a hero's welcome as hundreds of people cheered her name outside of the airport, despite it being in the early hours of the morning. She was then taken directly to a gauntlet of meeting, meetings with various sports officials, and she allegedly apologized to Hamid uh, Sajjadi, Iran's sports minister. Sajjadi told reporters Rekabi admitted to forgetting her hijab during the competition due to stress. He added, quote, she said that she is ashamed. Rekabi's appearance followed Sajjadi's, uh, Sajjadi's statements in front of the press, where the athlete repeated what Sajjadi claimed, which was widely viewed as a forced confession. Rajat, no, excuse me, Rakabi made an Instagram post that said, I apologize about what I did to make you worry. So there's actually a lot more in this story to unpack. So if people don't know, well, I, the hijab is mandatory in Iran, first of all, but this also includes for athletes who compete outside of Iran for the nation have to be in hijab, no matter what sport they do. So she should have been in a hijab as she was competing in this international climbing competition. And she ended up placing fourth overall. Um, and so these images of her climbing this wall without the hijab, like it, it shocked everyone because people know what the consequences of her taking this action will be. They're going to be very, very severe. And, um, then all of a sudden after she did this, she went missing and a lot of people didn't know what to do or what had happened to her. Her family was not able to contact her. And there were a lot of different like rumors flying around about what happened. 
at first I thought it was maybe possible that she evaded the authorities and was going to go seek asylum in South Korea. However, unfortunately, that's not what happened. She was ascertained by running. Oh, go ahead, Armin. No, not unfortunately. That was um, fortunately. I'll clarify later. You okay. Finish it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so basically she ended up being ascertained by Iranian authorities and taken to the Iranian embassy, allegedly under false pretenses. And there are reports that she signed a document that where she had to give a check to the authorities of the amount of like 35,000 us dollars and um some sort of contract that says that basically if she pisses off the authorities again or tries to leave the country then the authorities can confiscate the land belonging the land properties of her family so basically according to the reports that i have read they're using this against her as collateral and it's very common for iranian athletes that compete abroad to be forced to sign over checks you know, over $30,000, again, to be used against them as collateral to make sure that or try to make sure that they don't try to escape the grip of the Iranian authorities when they're abroad and seek asylum and so forth. Um, and well, Armin, what do you want to say? Okay, so the, the government of Iran makes Iranian women, obviously, wear the hijab, even as head of Iran, when they're representing the Iranian government in sports and stuff, right? So right in the middle of the protests, like the greatest um, woman-led uprising in the world, um, where the hijab, taking hijab is its main symbol, this lady decides to do her uh, competition while without her hijab. So it was pretty obvious what she was doing she was making an announcement right she was making taking a stance it was pretty obvious as soon as it came out it was recognized as such and celebrated at, or uh, attacked as such by both her supporters and religious people who were condemning her for it so this whole idea of this being a mistake or some an accident is nobody believes this Right, that she it was it's obvious that she's forced to say that that she was not this was not intentional. Um, the thing is that the people, the like I follow a lot of pro regime religious people, um, they made fun of her for saying that this is a desperate act, act of trying to get asylum and not come back to Iran, right? But she basically became a hero when the people realized that she had no intention of not coming back. Like she was going to come back. So this is why this was heroic. Because if she was like, oh, I'm going to take off my hijab, I can't go back, so I take an asylum. Because, okay, so this is for out of self-interest, right? But, but that's not even necessarily true. I know. I'm just telling you what the narrative okay. is. But but she became even a bigger hero when people realized that she had no intention. She was going to come back and she's going to continue competing in her field for um, as a rock climber and everything. Um, but like the way she was interviewed, this is like her interview. Like she's obviously she looks very much in distress. 
she looks like she didn't she didn't she she looks like she doesn't mean what she's saying uh she was like doing here like i don't know how to explain this to you but it seemed like she was just repeating uh words that she was given to say but i think that understanding is that she said these she was like oh i just forgot I, like it was just an accident but the narrative the about why this happened is so bad the there are like there's multiple things they're like Oh, there was a mishap. She lost her luggage and she couldn't find her hijab. Oh no. And then the other one is like, I, I was so stressed out about finding my rock climbing shoes. I forgot my hijab. Like it doesn't make any no, sense. Yeah, but you can see the entire time she's like sitting there, she's taking her socks off, changing her shoes, sitting like calmly. Like this is not something like you have been competing forever. You know that you're supposed to wear the hijab. You know that this is a could be a career-ending or family-threatening thing. It's not something you would forget, right? So the excuse is so. And that video that I just showed you is when she came back to Iran in the airport when the reporters were questioning her. That her excuse is so unbelievable that people know that she's like basically telling everybody indirectly that I'm just telling everybody what I'm supposed to say because they come after you so aggressively and they come after your family they come after your family's belongings and everything so everybody understands that you have to say what you're supposed to say right but at the same time she was welcomed a hero's welcome in at 4 a.m at the airport right so so many incredible. people show. yeah so just like guys like this an act of uh, taking off the hijab right results in is, is such a is seen as a symbolic heroic act of standing with your country that this is what you get at 4 a.m when you're landing by the way when she landed the government didn't let her come out like they got her and they put her in a car and they took her to government officials to just basically make sure her they travel earlier than she was expected to to try to avoid something like this Yes, yes. And yeah, but but even though so many people showed up at the airport. Yeah. This is in Iran. Oh my God. So this is, they all came here to treat her like a hero because she took off, she climbed, uh, did the rock climbing without a hijab. I just want people to realize like what, how this is viewed in Iran, but like because of the welcome party. But I don't know. So another thing, another thing to recognize is that the religious people that were making fun of her they, because she was trying to get asylum, they are like crushed right now. They're coming up with such ridiculous angles. Like they look, they look really bad. They look really bad. The pictures that she has with like government officials acting like she's now a good girl. And we, we talked Wait, over. Go to the show notes. I have a photo of that, that I want to show. It's the first one. 
the Iran wire for sure. Yes, because there's something that's kind of subtle about this image that's actually really, really important. It's not the first one. Let me try the second and the third one. <clears throat> Maybe it's the oh, third one. What is the one. first one? Mm. Can you share it? Like, because look, this is what I have. Oh, what? Okay, just a second. Sorry. Oh, to show. Is it an Instagram post? No, I have it right here. Okay. Okay, let's bring this up. Okay. So here's pictures of when she had to go to the um, her like forced meetings with all the sports officials. There are different stories about like what. So her brother is the one wearing yellow right here. But what's important about this is she is still being defiant even in these photos, because look, she's still not wearing the hijab. She's no. just wearing a hoodie and a baseball hat to cover her. This head. is illegal. What she's wearing this, is illegal. But this isn't the hijab. No. So even despite all this, all these pressures that they're putting against her and her family. So this man in yellow right here is her brother, who has also been ascertained by like special authorities and people can't reach him. Like it's very unclear about what's happened to him. Nevertheless, she's still not complying, which I think is just. I mean, I don't have words. Yeah. This is what she's wearing right now is still arrest worthy. Mm -hmm. But they're so desperate in making sure that she says the things that they wanted to say. But like it, the government is just so ridiculous because the, the excuses they're coming up with is like it's like they don't even care if people believe them anymore. Right. That like, is so they, true. They, they kill protesters. I'm like, oh, this one was bitten by a dog. Or like, oh, this one slipped from the rooftop. Like, oh, this one just got a heart attack. And they, like, do you even care if people believe you anymore? Like, oh, like this lady that, like, in an act of defiance, took off her job for rock in, in a rock climbing competition. They're like, oh, it was an accident. It was an accident that she did the entire competition, the entire thing, without a hijab, this whole thing. Like, all of this was done without a hijab by accident. Like, Everybody, like even your own supporters, know that you're like, like, how could people? Because the government officials, they act like they have the moral high ground, like they're Islamic and they're above us, but they lie, knowing that even their own supporters know that they're lying. So how could you even lie to yourself that you have the moral high ground here? It just yeah. like, it just seems like it's a it's it's a machine now that just mm -hmm. doesn't even care about the outcome. Like it's mm -hmm. that there's an understanding that everybody knows that we're going to lie, but this is just how we operate. Like they're just like following the manual, regardless of what the outcome is. It's just like, they don't even care what the outcome is. I don't understand. Like it's, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a circus. Then it's a show. I don't, it doesn't make any sense. It's a weird, it's the most bizarre government I've ever seen. Maybe after North Korea, nothing makes sense about what they do. You're not lying. Oh, my God. Well, okay, so given the fact that they just, like, seemingly have stopped giving a crap about selling any convincing narrative, like, how is this being received by the hardliners that you follow? 
Because this is just, I mean, it must be pretty freaking embarrassing, right? Did, yeah. How 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 do the people that support the hardliners still? In what way do they couch their buy-in? How do they articulate that they're still buying in? I, w- the, I was watching the hardliners like coverage in this. The, they were making fun of her for lying, and I was like, "What? Yeah, no, because like she's like, oh, you forgot the hijab. Sure, of course you wouldn't forget the hijab." I'm like. Why? You know she's being pressured to say this. This is a like, forced confession. You... This is normal this is a, in Iran. <laughs> this is a forced... Co- like, like, be like, oh, she's telling us that she forgot her job. How could she forget her job? Obviously, she's lying. Like, we we should be telling that to you. Why are you telling us to us? <laughs> like, why are you making her fun of her for lying when she's obviously being forced to do so? Like, do you not know that she's in Iran and she is like under a pressure by the government to step back in line? Like, I don't understand. How is that? Like, and and I like, I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. Why are they making fun? I look at the comments and people are making like all the comments, all the pro regime people are still making fun of her for lying. I like you guys are have lost your minds. I like my brain is broken. That literally makes no sense. What's really unfortunate, though, is that she is now very clearly still under the direct control of the regime. I mean, she's within the country's borders. There are many reports about the retaliation that she faces, like the collateral that's been taken out against her, like I talked about earlier. And there are some reports, including by Iran Wire, that said that basically once she lands and has gone through this gauntlet of forced meetings with officials, that she's going to be transferred directly to Avin prison, the prison that was recently set on fire under very suspicious circumstances in Tehran, one of the most notorious prison in Iran. And um, people don't know her whereabouts since. We don't know where she is right now. We don't know her whereabouts. I think the whereabouts of her brother are still in question as well. And um, her family can't contact her. And what's particularly important is that she also had a meeting with Iran's Olympic Committee. But the photos from that meeting haven't been released yet. So people are thinking that they took the photos at the event and they're going to try to publicize those photos at a later date to show her whereabouts or something um, when really she's God knows where detained somewhere. Um, But I think we should also give some other general updates on Iran. Armin, you interested in that? Yeah, go ahead. It sounds good. Okay. So, oh my gosh, there's a lot that's been going on. This, the story of Elnaz, the rock climber is one of the biggest stories that's happened in this past week. Um, But it's also important to think about like the wider stories as well. So I've seen reports from one human rights agency that said that they estimate that something around 12 and a half thousand people have been detained over the past. We're on day 34 now of the uprising. So over the past 34 days, over 12,000 people detained. Um, I saw another estimate that roughly 225 people have been killed. I think 
around 30 of them are children. And um, I think the other big story that we need to talk about today is the historic protest that just happened in Berlin. Um, so Armin, do you want to like describe for people what that is? Oh yeah, there was um, after the mass protest of Iranians in Toronto, which a record of 50,000 people showed up. Mm -hmm. uh, now we have, I think, what is, some estimates suggest is 100,000 Iranians um, protest against the regime in Berlin. Let me actually show you what that looks like. This, this is, is crazy. This is the anti-Iranian regime. Wait, your audio just cut out. Yeah, my audio? Yeah, now I do. Yeah, so this is an anti-Iranian regime protest by Iranians in Berlin. So around 100,000 Iranians showed up in Berlin uh, in a mass demonstration just yesterday. Um, this is huge. I've, I think this is the largest gathering of Iranians outside of Iran ever. Ever in so, history. Yeah. And you, oh, look at that, the flag there, the flag of the lion and the sun. Yeah. This is, so this is the actual Iranian flag uh, before the Islamic Republic took over. But yeah. Oh. It goes all around. Wait, you but don't have the video where it shows the whole thing panning around? Wait. Here we go a little bit. This is crazy. Oh, man. No, I need to find the other video where the entire way around this rotunda, it's people. The entire thing. Yeah, it goes all around. Yeah, AGA is also saying that there was a huge protest in Sydney yesterday. There was a huge protest in Australia. There was a huge protest in Los Angeles. Another huge protest in Washington, D.C. So, like, the diaspora is still coming out in full force, which is amazing to see. Oh, what do you have there? So this girl just got shot and killed. What, like, more, more, more girls and more women and men are dying. In, during the protest, this was a 32-year-old uh, woman who died. But the unique thing about this um, murder was that she was recording while she got shot. So you can see things from her angle right before she got shot. So here, here's the video. Hold on. Okay, so right before she died, she's chanting, which means, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, we're all together. So those were her last words right before she got shot and killed. And that's it, she died. Yeah, and 
th this was her. That was her. So her name was Ghazole uh, Chalabi. Ghazole Chalabi. Yeah. So there's a lot of this still happening. It's like more than a month now in Iran. Protests are not dying. Oh, this is what you're talking about. Hold on. I have, I have what you were looking for. Ah, oh, yes. This is in Berlin just yesterday. This is incredible. This is crazy. Oh, can yeah. I tell you? Can I tell you? Because I'm listening to a lot of pro-regime content these days, just to say, because it's hard for me to imagine how they're spinning all of this. Mm -hmm. So do you want to know how they spend this? Like, because this is embarrassing. This is so many Iranians, because the government constantly wants to say that the anti-regime people are just a fringe group, right? So these <laughs> mass demonstrations are like yeah, really right. embarrassing. So I was like trying to figure out how they're going to spend this. Like, I'm not talking about reports from the government itself. I'm talking about like content creators, young people, YouTubers who are pro-regime. So they went and looked at the website for buses that brings you like that you could buy a ticket to get on the buses to get here. And they found that that on the buses, they give free sandwiches. Okay. And he was like, they're here for the sandwiches. <laughs> God, they're like that's how you get these large numbers. These people don't care about anything. These people are coming here because there's free sandwiches. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm like, you guys are like so desperate for any explanation that dismisses any anti-regime. Oh my god! So, so bad. That's insane because. Atheist Republic leader of the Persian community, uh, Babak, he went to this protest oh, and yeah. he was organizing buses of people to go from Austria to Berlin and um, helping organize fundraising to like pay for people that couldn't afford their tickets and all this stuff. And you're telling me that because th this bus was like a 10 hour bus ride. Who yeah. the hell wants to be on a 10-hour bus line across national borders for one sandwich? Are you <laughs> kidding me? So That's ridiculous. insane. Yeah, yeah, wait. I can show... Um, so one of the things that Atheist Republic is doing with the funding that is available to us by our super generous community is we're actually helping pay... Um, for Babak's uh, transportation to this protest because I thought it was really important to have our leadership there representing us, networking with other people. And there were actually a lot of other Atheist Republic members there as well. So next week I'll be able to come with you guys and show you all the photography that Babak did of the event. Um, but I wanted to show um, some really uh, quick little ones that he did because I thought this was so cool. Um, so here's, uh, I'm not going to play the music just in case it's copyrighted, but this is some like on the ground view of what it looks like um, at the protest. 
So there was like a woman this wearing is, a cape. This is before the gathering started. This is the initial. He was early. This is before, like when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Started, this is like the gathering started. Yeah. This is yeah. Yeah. So cool. That's um, a very controversial flag, but oh, like Jinjian Azadi. <laughs> yeah, um. I love it. It's so cute. But then um, there's this other quick video that he did that was so cool. Look at this. Yeah. Using that like special 360 camera. It looks incredible. And then to see all the signs like fanning out, it just, I mean, it's huge. It's so massive. It's crazy. Um, so I'm excited to show you guys like more footage that he took um, next week. And uh, this other magazine put out these other incredible photos of the event. Look at this. I mean, it's people wow. like literally as like far as the eye can see. It's absolutely insane. Oh, that's such cool art. Wow. Wait, I sent you a video of a guy crying at the uh, protest. Did you see that? I don't think you did send that to me, but I have seen that video. Oh, do you have it? Uh, if you give me a second, I could probably find it. Um, while I go look for that video, can you please uh, pull up the video that I put in the private chat? Yeah. Because it's it from the protest in LA that I want to show. Oh, um, I found it. Wait, no, I already found it. Hold on. Oh, okay. So... I don't know if the people remember the song I showed them. Um, I explained this with Harris Soto and the song from Sherwin. Um, but they're playing that song that has now become the theme of the protest, which is a song about why people are protesting. And it was just, you know, this man here was very emotional while it was playing. This is in Berlin, you know, uh, in that circle that people were protesting from the 100,000 people showed up. This is one of the people doing that. Well, and what is significant yeah. also is that he's wearing the traditional outfit of one of the ethnic minorities in Iran. I think oh, Bakhtiari. I didn't notice that. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, you're right. He's wearing oh, actually, like a Bakhtiari I... cloak. Yes. Oh, and then I have another video I want to show as well. Hold on. Let, okay, let me okay, just okay. play this and then I will show that. Okay, I want to show you another video. This one, I don't know if you've seen this. Have you seen this one? Oh, yeah, this is heartbreaking. Right, so this guy... Let me tell you. So this guy was being interviewed in the middle of the Berlin protest. And they were asking him why he was here for. And he showed the picture of the family, his family, that are missing because they they were arrested and he doesn't know where they are. I think it was his... Um, oh, yeah. In the Kurdish region in Sanandaj. Yes. 
Which is under like, about- severe internet restriction, so like worse than other regions. So it's really hard to figure out what's been happening in Sanandaj. Yeah, but what he didn't know is while he has a picture of his father and he's saying my father was arrested and there's no news of where he is, while he's talking, the news of his father's death is announced on the news while he's being telling people that I'm protesting because of my father. But here, let me actually translate what he's saying. خیلی بدی دارم مثلا واقعا متاسفم که همچین حکومت ظالمی در ایران sorry that we have such a oppressive regime and he's holding a picture of his dad because he's fat that they come and just arrest your family like that without any without any reason without any uh, giving you any reason for the arrest that curse be upon the Islamic Republic and like, I want all uh, freedom loving people all the um, human rights um, institutions in the world I want them from the EU like, I request to you to please pay attention to the arrested prisoners in Iran. Okay, so yeah, this is like his family saying, My family have been stolen. So yeah, so he he didn't know that, like, while he was talking about his father and him wanting to know where he is, um, his father was. Oh no! One, yeah, he didn't know one hour before his father w- died under torture in prison. Well, you know, one hour before this interview, and he didn't know about it. So you wanted to show something? Yeah, in the private chat, can you pull up the video that I put in? It's from um, Sam Rajabi in. Uh, no, no, I put. Did I put the oh. wrong link? No, I didn't. Different link. That's you. That's what you're sharing. Okay, no, you I asked to you to share it, please. Oh, okay. 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 There we go. There we go. And um, so this is Samra Jabi. For those who don't know, he is a very prominent anti-regime activist who's now living in the United States. And he was a former Iranian athlete who had to leave Iran and live in exile because of his protest against the regime and so forth and um, basically give up his career, you know, and everything for the sake of his freedom. And now he is a major organizer within particularly the Los Angeles Persian community. And um, this is him speaking or about the protest that happened in Los Angeles yesterday and how huge it is. So um, Armin, do you think you could, uh, play the video and then translate what he says. Oh, okay. And he's also a friend of Atheist Republic. Yes, yes. Like these Iranians are standing shoulder to shoulder to Iranians inside Iran. These Iranians outside of Iran are united with Iranians inside Iran. Because, uh, let me clarify, because 
the Iranian regime was always trying to divide. Remember, there's always this strategy of dividing Iranians, uh, you know, ethnicities against each other, men against women, religious against secular, um, upper class against lower class. It's a you, the the Iranian regime has a divide and conquer strategy by making people hate each other. One of those division lines has been inside Iranians inside of Iran and Iranians outside of Iran, trying to dismiss the Iranians outside of Iran about people who don't care about you, people who are under the influence of I don't know Western um, propaganda, um, and that they're they're just trying to push you to go and protest for their own self interest. They don't actually care about your life, so. In these rounds of protests, there seems to be actually there's union across all these lines. So all of the tactics of dividing people against each other has failed. Like it seems like ethnicities are not fighting each other. Men and women are united. And even religious people and secular people are united. Um, upper class and lower class is united against the regime. And Iranians inside and outside of Iran are united. They don't hate each other. They're united. All, it seems like there's a unity against the regime. Right. And that's what some I think is referring to. Like, oh yeah, say today we are all one Iran. That's what. We are all united. It doesn't matter where we are, we are all united together. We all, we all have one voice. Like, multiple thousands of people are here. Like, I can't see at the end of the line, like, it basically goes forever. Like we are many, we are powerful. We are un we are unique. We are countless. Fear us. Fear us, Khamenei. The the child killing regime. A terrorist regime. Fear the anger of these people. Like we will see every single one of you in court in in tribunals. Like this, this, uh, pe these people are not gonna let you go. Yeah, so that's it. So that's a promise know, by some. Video was just like really powerful to me. Really, um, I don't know, it makes me emotional to see Psalm being so emotional. Like, for weeks and weeks, he's lost his voice, like screaming for the rights of his nation that he had to leave behind. And nothing has stopped him. Like within the past month, his mom died back in Iran and he couldn't be with her because he can't return. And so he has to mourn her. You know, he can't even be there to memorialize her and that hasn't stopped him and he 
fights so hard and to hear the way he was speaking in that video like it um i it just makes me think about all the people i know who their heart burns every day for what the people are going through back home and i have never seen people that are so tireless in fighting to raise awareness and be the voice of their fellow countrymen. Like, so tireless in fighting for the freedom and prosperity of their country. It, I know so many people that they are doing everything that they can think of to support the people back home because they feel powerless against, you know, all the forces and they just have to sit at home and on Instagram see people get shot every day. And... I I don't know, like, just seeing firsthand people's whole being, like, burning for the sake of, like, the, their liberties and the liberties of everyone that they had to leave behind, it's... I don't really have words for it. <laughs> it's so deeply moving. <laughs> you know, I, um, some, he didn't get to go see his mother. I was, my, when my mom got cancer, I couldn't go see her, but she managed to come to Vancouver to see me. But he didn't get to go say goodbye to her mom. I can't imagine how that feels. And that's just made him fight harder. Like, I mean, he is so right to say fear us. Like, the tenacity, the tenacity of this community this diaspora like is something i've never seen before yeah and I, it's just hard to like one thing that is hard to imagine is that these people are giving up like i think no, we have never. crossed never there's something that has changed in the past month among iranians that is impossible to undo I think like we have opened a new chapter and I just can't it, and if it just stays like that this the regime I it's just I can't imagine how it's just going to survive all this. I can't imagine mm -hmm. how it's going to survive this. Yeah. I don't know how long it's going to take because people make so many predictions about I don't know soon 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 
I'm not gonna make. I'm gonna say soon, but I just I just can't imagine it's lasting another two decades. It, I mean, you if it had does, a post on your Instagram. No, not Instagram on Facebook. Like that, yeah. you said in the last twenty four hours, you said um, within the next two oh, decades yeah. there will be direct flights between uh, Tehran and Tel Aviv. Yes, I'm yes, like, hell yes. yeah! <laughs> yeah, I posted here. Yeah, this is what I posted. Wait, hold on. Yeah, I said in less yes, than twenty years exactly. there will be direct. It will there will be direct commercial flights between Tehran and Tel Aviv. I think so. I genuinely think so. I mean, I could be wrong, but like I would be shocked if it's wrong. And over the past two years, you never and you never would say that things would happen this quickly. You would never say that. It I mean, would I'm getting criticized past. for saying less than twenty years. People are saying much earlier than that, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. you're I just, just conservative, and when you make predictions, you used to say that this regime would outlast your lifetime. Yes. Yeah, but things have changed. Drastically. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Thanks. Yeah. So I just wanted to say, like, it's still very important to focus on the uprising that is happening in Iran. You're seeing it less in the news nowadays, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening and not continuing. And it's still as important as ever to continue to show our support because the internet restrictions are still ongoing. It is still very difficult to determine what has happened in different regions of Iran during these restrictions, like what's going on in Sanandaj, still very sketchy. What's going on in Baluchistan, we still can't tell very easily. And so I anticipate that we are going to be getting news about stuff that happened over the past 30 days only later. And even though it might technically be a little bit expired in terms of the news cycle, it's still so important to focus on these things because the regime is putting down these restrictions exactly to try to utilize that. Um, yeah, AGA is saying we need to keep talking about it. Oh, and then we I would be remiss if we didn't include uh, the super chat by our lovely Trails. Who gave us wait, 100. wait, wait, don't read, don't read, don't read. He wanted oh. us to show, he wanted us to have <laughs> give a, a good protest. visual. He wanted a visual. Actually, let me show. Wait, hold on, give me a second, give me a second. He wants, <laughs> he wants visuals with his quotes. I <laughs> 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 like, I need, I need something in the background for this. Oh my and god. Then, oh, there we go. So let me just put this one. Okay, bring it, bring the code, bring the code. Okay, we are now ready to read the super chat. Trells gave us a 100 Danish krona super chat. Thank you very much, Trells. It's in a poem by Percy B. Shelley, quote, rise like lions after slumber in unvanquishable number. Shake your chains to earth like dew, which in sleep had fallen on you. Ye are many, they are few. Oh wow, that's that's very powerful. I like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and thank you, true. Asked a question that said, "How do you feel about some Muslim channels bringing up Palestine and Uyghurs in response to Iran protests? Have you seen this? Like, no, I bring haven't. up Palestine um, and Uyghurs in what capacity in comparison to this? I think they're trying to save Islam." Because this sounds like 
the protest in Iran seems like a, because the main theme of it is taking off the hijab. So I think like they're trying to, there's the Iranian people are oppressed and a lot of people are thinking Islam is responsible. So they're thinking like supporting Iranian victims is an anti-Islamic, is challenging Islam, uh, Islam's reputation around the world. And they're more so concerned they about protecting Islam than human life. Yeah, I think if th that's a self-report, self that's uh, Susanna, what you're saying is very accurate. Because <laughs> self-report? Yeah, because because that means that when you're defending Palestinians, because we defend Palestinians when they're um, oppressed or when Uyghurs when they're oppressed, like we highlight them a lot here, right? But to me, when you when you bring that up in response to the Iranian protests, to me suggests that you don't actually care about Muslims. You care about the reputation of Islam, and you're using as Muslim victims as a tool to make Islam look better. Like you're kind of kind of like what other cults do, like following the fathers, um, you know, or Christianity does. Like, oh, look at all the people that died for Christianity, right? So. In fact, that suggests to me that the people who do that don't actually want Palestinians to have better lives. They don't want actually Uyghur Muslims to have better lives because they are a powerful tool. They're a useful tool. Their victimization benefits the reputation of Islam. Right? You don't actually want them to have better lives because look at the way you're using it. You're saying that the oppression of people who are being oppressed by an Islamic regime is inconvenient to you, so you bring up Muslims being oppressed. So these, this is not about Muslims having better lives for you. This is about them existing. So every time Islam is being challenged, you have your card to play. This is your, this is mm. your, use your Trump card. This is so stupid. Sorgu was saying, like I've seen some channels such as Islam Channel trying to say stuff like, "Oh, why don't you care as much about Palestine as you as much as Iran?" Okay, this is so stupid because I cannot tell you how many like leftist channels relentlessly cover Palestine, but very sparingly cover Iran and actually promote essentially regime narratives by talking yeah. about how the protests are distorted by Western media and that so, all calls for regime change are actually just Western actors and, and the, not at all the will of the people, which I think is actually racist. Um, I actually, I can't start talking about that. I'll go on a vast <laughs> majority of leftist channels. Okay. Not all of them. Like some of them are what will bring up, like when they're talking about Iranians being oppressed by their own regime, they have to spin it in a way that makes it the U.S.'s fault. And Israel's like fault. Israel no, they, like, tell, like, wait, keep them talking, and then eventually they will talk about Mossadegh's coup. The, you know, and again, that's a nonsense narrative. I could talk about that later. You should make a video um, about that. Yeah, we should make a video about that, how, how stupid that narrative is. That was not a coup. That was not a coup. That was completely legal. Okay, a coup was by definition, has to be illegal. What the Shah did by ousting Mossadegh was completely legal. Just because he did it with the U.S.'s support, that doesn't mean that he ha he wasn't within his constitutional rights to do that. So that's, by definition, not a coup. So, but every, like, vast majority of leftists, when they're like, oh, look at the Iranian people being a person, oh, it's the U.S.'s fault, it's the U.S.'s fault. Everything has to be the U.S.'s fault. 
I think it's completely, I think I've, I've gotten to a place where I think it's literally racist because they are hell bent on ripping any authority from the Iranian people. Yeah. <laughs> Sina is so right. He's saying U.S. exceptionalism at its finest. It's literally horseshoe theory. You're completely right. I was right. ranting with Rivka about this. Rivka and I are working on a special secret project for Atheist Republic, and um, it has now become my therapy session where I rant with her about the leftists I hate. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, DSA, and it always comes back to the evil West. I was watching this this video by some, you know, anti-imperialist channel. And it's gotten me to a place where I'm starting to think that there's like some larger conspiracy at play because the narratives coming out of them are freaking crazy. <laughs> it's gotten me like, there has to be something larger at, at play here. <laughs> like, it, it makes me so mad. I start to lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, Trell is also saying Reza Aslan was uh, Reza Pahlavi. Reza Pahlavi. Oh, okay, was once asked about the coup, and he said that uh, what you just said, Armin. Oh yeah, but he did, he brilliantly used the question to argue for strong checks and balances in a free era. Interesting, interesting. I should have. I should watch that. I should watch that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we should move on. Wait, I want uh, to address a quick question. Gregory is saying, "You go, red pilled trad wife." Okay. I've been thinking about this. I think last week, me making jokes about being red-pilled in a trad wife was, like, kind of irresponsible because, like, I'm, I am increasingly frustrated and incredibly angry at a lot of leftist BS and progressives in general. But calling it red-pilled and trad wifey, whatever, whatever, I don't think is productive or useful because... The rest of that ideology or whatever is packed with stuff that is toxic and actually not a reflection of my values. I was just calling myself that because I'm so freaking frustrated with these like lefties who just call people who have different values than them or different opinions. They're like, oh, you're red pilled, you're a trad wife, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fine, you're going to freaking call me that? Like a CIA plant, you're a fed, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> but we should, I just want to clarify that it's not actually a reflection of like my values. Should, I just want a baby. <laughs> yeah, you okay. So I think you understand some of the family values that are actually maybe we shouldn't just throw the baby out with the bathwater, like and you think a lot of leftists are like giving up on so many things that are actually valuable, but you also don't want to go full on right-leaning because there's actually a lot of toxic stuff there yeah, that yeah, you yeah. don't want to be associated with so and i think there's a lot of demand for this why don't we do a stream specifically on this topic right doing why don't red we do... pill from the left red pill done no, right <laughs> we do it right we do it right we don't do it like like the right but like we do it right you know we do it not as <laughs> we do we like because we have to offer something that is not as toxic as what the right leading community is giving us, but not as also loony as a lot of what's coming out of the left wing community. So I think like I think it would be great if we see we had a stream about your views on this. 
something right in the middle. I don't know. What do you think? Oh my God. I have a lot of views on this. I was thinking about this last night. I was writing a rant about how I think hookup culture is toxic. We need, yeah. Oh my God. So much stuff. Um, <laughs> sort of saying, I'm pretty sure we all know Susanna was joking, but okay. People are dumb as hell. Yeah. And I experience it every day that I'm online. <laughs> so I have to say that. <laughs> But there, you are be interested in doing... people, there are a lot of people that don't like me on the left who legitimately say this about me and will use it against me. So I mainly have to use it. I have to say it because people will use that against me. But would you be interested in doing a stream or, and going over like some advice, some life recommendations and some guidelines that you think works best? Because I think like a lot of people would be interested in hearing what you have to say. And there's a sure. huge demand for this. Like right now, I mean, whenever I have are... the time. But to be fair, I think a lot of my opinions might be the result of my own biases and experiences. I know, I know, but it would be interesting to hear that. Yeah, about dating, about family, about relations, about gender roles, mm. about trans stuff. I think we could. I think we could do that very well. I think based on what we have been discussing and everything we've heard from both left and right-leaning sources, I think we could go through all of them and then analyze them and see what actually makes the most sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wait, are you, are you interested? Do you think, would you be interested in that? Like, tell yes. Me. I'm going to, yes. I'm going to talk about how I think the left has completely devalued fatherhood. Devalue. Yep, there you go. But, That's the stream right there. Deva like how the left has devalued fatherhood. There you go. Fantastic. We should we could like oh yeah. I think it's actually like a central social ill in like my society. I'm not even kidding. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, let's let's talk about that. All right, go on let's forever. go to the next news. Yeah, let's go on to the next news for now. We will do we'll come up with a time to do a stream. Um okay. can we clap for this? Um, oh no! I don't think we should. It's, it's, no, it's, yeah, okay. It's not too good. Not too good. All right, next news. Next news: Human sacrifice case prompts calls for laws against superstition in India. So this is wild. On October 11th, two women, Rosalie and Padman. Well, wait, excuse me. This isn't the date on this isn't correct. Okay, let me correct that. Um, so. On October 11th, the police arrested three individuals related to the gruesome murder of Rosli and Padman. The plan to murder these women was planned by Mohammed Shafi, a repeat offender. Shafi had convinced a couple, uh, oh my gosh, sorry about this names, Bhagawal Singh and his wife Layla, that if they performed a human sacrifice ritual, a goddess would be pleased and bless them with good fortune, solving their financial difficulties. Shafi and the couples killed Rusli, uh, 49 years old, in June, and Padman, 52, in September. Further investigation showed that Shafi had previous charges, including that of RAPE, I cannot say the word on YouTube, theft, and attempted murder. After Padman's family filed the missing person complaint, the murders were brought to light following a police investigation. Chairperson of the Kerala State Women's Commission, P. 
uh, Sathi Devi said, quote, it is so frightening to see that brutal acts, including human sacrifice, are taking place in a society like ours, which boasts high educational standards. Reports say these murders have garnered concern about the need for a law against black magic and harmful rituals performed in the name of faith. So, okay, Arjun is asking a very good question. He's asking, the, <laughs> the fuck is a Muslim man endorsing Hindu superstitions? And, okay, here's the, the story as I understand it. I don't know why the hell this guy got involved with this this man has been reported to be some sort of pervert and sadist okay he's a repeat offender and he contacted this couple i don't know how he knew to contact them but reports say that he contacted this couple under a fake account and this fake account was like some woman and the 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 woman quote unquote contacted this couple and said oh hey like i know this sorcerer basically and if you do what this sorcerer says he will solve your financial difficulties blah 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 and then this fake account female connected them to shafi muhammad shafi who i think was going by like a different name for the sake of contacting for communicating with this couple Anyways, Shafi convinced this couple to give him like, I think like 3,000 rupees and then he would help them do this black magic ritual that would help them gain prosperity. And somehow he convinced them that the best way to do that is through human sacrifice. And... So over a series of months, they murdered one woman and then they murdered another woman. And then they cut the bodies into like 56 pieces each. And what? Yes. And then buried them somewhere on the property of this couple. And eventually the police caught on because they found CCTV footage of Shafi, Muhammad Shafi, um, walking with one of the women into a property or whatever, and they started to put the pieces together. And it's absolutely, I mean, this is obviously absolutely insane, but it's shocked the community a lot because when Kerala is relative to many places in India, much more highly educated and has much greater literacy rates. And I was watching interviews with people that were in the actual... Um, neighborhood or district of this couple that knew them and they were like this is absolutely insane because the man who was the husband in this couple was apparently like pretty highly educated and used to post stuff against superstitions on his Facebook according to this person that was interviewed right what the and I fundamentally don't understand how you think that killing a human is going to help you Fix your finances. This is so bizarre. And the Muslim guy was that they hired to do this black magic stuff. He said the god, a goddess would be pleased? Yes. He's Muslim. What, are you, what is he talking about goddesses? Yo, this I don't so know confusing. what's going on with this man. 
kidding. He's presumably Muslim. He comes from a Muslim background, obviously, from his name. Who knows what he actually practices, because this is freaking wild. I would speculate that this is was some sort of bizarre plot to get money out of this couple to exert this act to maybe fulfill his own sadism. The police say that the couple and the wife itself were directly involved with the murders, although Mohammed Shafi was one of the primary perpetrators. And um, yeah, this is like he got them in some sort of mind trap or something. Um, oh yeah, Dia saying that the videos of the neighbors things included in the article. No, it's um the one below, the second one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you're going to have to pause to read the subtitles because obviously they're not speaking in English. But um, the interviews with the neighbors are towards the end. Yeah, like about right there. Hmm. Okay, we want, we're not going to go through it. Oh. They have seen him several times. Two weeks. Okay, so we're not going to go. Guys, the link to these articles are in the description if you guys want to go and check out this video. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Oh, this is fascinating. Shriash says, roughly 3% of Indian Muslims surveyed by Pew Research Center said that they believe in multiple, multiple gods and goddesses exist. That's fascinating. I want to meet those 3% of... Indian Muslims. Satya is saying in India, shirk is not that big of a thing, Susanna, even among the poor Muslims. I guess, I guess you don't, as a, if you're born in India and you're poor, you're not going to be like educated on what you're supposed to really believe about Muslim. You're just like, sure, Allah is real. Look at all these mosques and stuff. People are telling me it's real. And also there's whole, like, how could like the goddesses not be real? There's so many people who believe in them or gods and goddesses. Like, that's all the re all the evidence you need. Like their statues, people pray mm. to them. Like so, you're exposed to that culture. So they're like, you know, they must be real. Yeah, there was yeah. one comment I wanted to bring. Satya was like, "Thank God, Hindutva <laughs> won't be blamed for this." When I was doing research for this on the show, there actually was some local. I don't know if she was a legislator or a party leader or something, but there was a lady that was blaming Hindutva for this. And I was like, how? oh, come on, man. Like, How was Hindutva blamed for this? I don't know. It didn't make any sense because Just they promote superstition and Modi. Okay, they were saying because during the pandemic, Modi promoted a bunch of woo-woo stuff to treat the beer bug. I'm still using coded language for YouTube. Basically, they were like tr trying to say that M Modi promotes woo-woo superstition stuff, and so that informs people to do this kind of thing. I was like, oh, that is such a reach. Like, a I'm anti-Hindutva, and even I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> um. Satya, we know it was. A, we know what you're saying. It was a joke, but we are. But saying that's actually, actually real, though. <laughs> but it's real. Somebody was actually blaming him. That's well. Um. There was. Oh, there was something oh, else just, I wanted to say that wasn't. Selba is saying all the Muslim shops will have pictures of all three major religious symbols. Really? 
Interesting. That's shirky. That's very shirky. All like, three yeah, major symbols as in what? I don't know. The Om or something. But that's haram. Yeah, exactly. People are saying it's haram. You can't do that. You shouldn't be doing that. Like if you're a Muslim and you're hanging like, I don't know, something Hindu on your wall, like that, as a Muslim, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Celebrating shirk. What's really interesting is that Kerala already has a bill and it's titled the Kerala Prevention and Eradication of Inhuman Evil Practices, Sorcery and Black Magic Bill. That's been waiting for approval in the Legislative Assembly since like, yeah, 2019. And it's supposed to help promote greater um, enforcement and prosecution against people that do these kinds of things. And after this happened, there's been a huge call to improve critical thinking skills. And there were other people blaming the media, saying like the media is very unlikely to even promote or publish the slightest criticism of dominant narratives. So they've ushered in kind of like a weakening of critical thinking in general, um, which I thought was interesting, although I think the issue goes much deeper than that. Um, but I love, and I, I was just, I mean, me being me, I was excited to see people speaking literally like we need to promote critical thinking like as such. Cause you I know what, you know what would be a good Hindutva narrative? You should say like, look, these Muslims talking about goddesses and stuff and hanging Hindu stuff. And it shows that they're inside. They, they long to come back home. <laughs> they are truly Hindus. Okay. You cannot cover all that Hindu with any Islam. Okay. You might want to hide Cover it with all that Islam, but inside, inside, they still know that they're truly Hindu. I don't know if, given the, the context of this case, if they want to, I don't know if they want to take ownership of that. <laughs> I, wasn't talking, I wasn't talking about this case. I was talking about, God damn it, Susie. I was talking about hanging Hindu stuff. Ah, uh, okay. okay. But you know what? Never mind. <laughs> sure, don't give right. them ideas. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh, yeah, human sacrifice is not a good way to signal that you want to come back home. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. This is, wait, Gregory has a comment. I wonder where Gregory is, though, because that, where he's located, changes the context of this a lot. He's saying, we have the suppression of witchcraft and Satanism, Bill. It's used to crack down on Christians and has been ruled unconstitutional as it's already illegal. I think he might be in South africa based on previous comments i think i don't know it's it's if if it's a there are certain religious practices that should be banned in traditions that should be banned by the state because they are so harmful to society so even if it is a religious freedom violation technically um but if this is mainly like a way that people are just persecuted for having non-harmful religious practice, then I think that's completely wrong. But if it's bills that usher in more stringent punishments against ritualized abuse, then I think that's much more tenable, in my opinion. Um. 
That's the women. Shriash is saying the women's sacrifice were told were told that they will be paid for doing adult video content. What? Okay, I don't. I haven't read that in anything that I researched, so I can't confirm mm -hmm. that. But I maybe that's true. I find that a little bit hard to believe, but who knows? I mean, that um, would be a good a good reason. That would be a good cover. Because that would make them not tell anybody. Like, oh, this is the reason why we're being hush hush about it. So it's a good cover up. Maybe. Because if, if it's for anything else, I might tell a friend, you know? Yeah. So like, oh, come here for insane. I think black magic parties would be cool. Please don't ban that. Okay. Especially if you're doing like sick black metal. <laughs> Yes, just don't do human sacrifice or any sacrifice. Yeah, don't 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 abuse and torture people in the name of some weird freaking fake ass superstition. Okay, if you're Cut just sitting around like with some candles in a cool pattern, mm. and <laughs> yeah, D is who fact checks everything is saying I didn't read that anywhere. Yeah, so I'm very skeptical about that know. claim. All right, we should move on. This yes. is weird. Is this like, am I reading this right? This is crazy. This next news. This is crazy. Okay. Uh, is it clappable? Yeah, I think it's clappable. Nobody died, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, this is just wild. So we're going to clap for how wild this is. Okay. Next news. Next news. Jewish Taliban cult members escape Mexican detainment center. Okay, so I'm going to talk about this most recent news, and then I'll give a broader explanation about what happened and what, what's going on. On the night of September 28th, a group of 20 or more members from an extremist radical Jewish cult, Lev Tahar, known as the Jewish Taliban or the Jihadi Jews for how their conservative dress looks like burqas, escaped from a det detention center in the southern Mexican state of Chiapas. This shelter served as a safe house to members of the group to protect the children from the abusive and high control practices of the group. On September 23rd, the members of the sect were detained after some of the cult leaders were arrested for organized crime and human trafficking. After escaping the shelter, they boarded an awaiting truck outside and headed towards the Guatemala-Mexican border. Family members are concerned as there are now numerous children back within control of the group. According to the reports, the local police, National Guard, and Mexico's immigration agency refrained from pursuing them. This is not the first time the cult had to deal with legal issues. Last November, two leaders of the cult were detained for the charges of kidnapping and sexual child sexual exploitation crimes in New York. So, okay. This is so wild. So for those, let me, let me back up. For those who don't know, Left the Whore is one of the most extreme Jewish cults groups in general, possibly in the world. They are so ex extreme that they tried to seek asylum in Iran and Iran rejected them. Honestly, that's an achievement. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, Iran, and these are anti-Zionist Jews, right? Yes. Iran loves anti-Zionist Jews. So for Iran to reject them, I don't know what brand of cult they have, 
but usually the Iranian government takes advantage of such a situation like this. So because I don't know they want to be right. like, look, we have Jews. Yes. Token <laughs> but, Jews who are anti-Zionists. Yeah, they love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the only ones we accept, basically. Yeah, YouTube and, this is not our, like, we're not saying anything. This We're just describing other people's views on Jews yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Armin. We are, we are communicating yeah. what other people believe in policies of other nations. Anyways, so this group was founded, I believe, in about the 1980s by this extremist and extremely abusive, perverted, uh, P-file rabbi who the, the entire cult is built up of a, a couple hundred people, multiple families. They were originally started in Canada and the East coast of the United States. And they very quickly had to flee Canada and the United States because of how abusive and criminal their practices are. And um, when the main rabbi died, who I don't know if I can talk about what he would do to children. Cause it's so bad. Um, Okay, so let me back up. They fled into South America and they live in this like jungle of Guatemala, like literally in the middle of this jungle in this land, their homes are just basically kind of tense shanties that are made of plastic tarp, you know, um, corrugated iron and just wood. And they've been living like that in the forest of Guatemala without air conditioning or anything for decades now. And they live in this absolutely like just abject looking compound without, and this is like the middle of the forest where you have like snakes, you have spiders, like really dangerous environmental factors around you. Anyways, Eventually, that really sick rabbi died, and then his son took over. And his son was even more extreme than the original founder. And this son who took over got really into enforcing child marriages in Lev Tahar. And so they married children as young as 12, 10, 12 to individuals that are much older than the, that child. And um, what happened was at a certain point, one of the sisters of this rabbi that took over um, was in such an abusive situation that she had to find a way to escape. And she escaped to the United States with two of her children. And the cult sent members of the basically the enforcement squad of the cult into the United States, they somehow managed to kidnap these children, one of whom had been forcibly married to a man, she had been forcibly married when she was 14 to a man who was, I think, 20 years old. And they got a hold of these children, they smuggled them into Mexico, reunited this girl that was forcibly married with her older husband, and they were going to get them back down to Guatemala, but they were ascertained by authorities and now they're in the process of being extradited back to the United States. And we covered it on the news when this happened and the federal indictment came down against two of the major leaders for human trafficking. Um, and they tried to kidnap these two children multiple times. 
So because of this happening, they um, basically, uh, this started to bring down the law on them hardcore. So what happened at the end of September is that two more of the major leaders were arrested. And my understanding is, is that when these two major leaders were arrested, that they went and took a bunch of the other members that were in this compound and they took them basically to a different area. They took them to a shelter or kind of like, which the Mexican authorities used to detain immigrants, essentially. And then a few days later, they overpowered a guard and just escaped in a van that was waiting for them. And they took a bunch of the kids with them. But then they also left a lot of people, including children, behind. And um, that's what this latest story is, is that after they arrested the two, the two of the major leaders, all these people were taken to this detention center and then they were immediately just broke free. But what's crazy, Armin, is that if you show this video, I there is, there's a major piece of this reporting that I have big questions about. Like, can you make this full screen and start from the beginning? Because why is the media there filming the entire escape? This, this is footage of them escaping the detention center. How the hell were, did people know to be there to just walk, watch them casually walk out of this detention center. Look, there's like a lady in a braid and a dress just like watching them walk away. What the hell is happening? Why are they not being arrested and stuff? It's crazy. Like I said, the yeah. authorities seemingly like refused to really pursue them. Look at this boy. Look at this. With his religious book and everything. No, see that boy? Pause. What Pause. Is he okay, this it's is so really weird. important. Look at how young that boy is. How old do you think he is? Um, 15? He can't be more than 15. The yeah. outfit that he's wearing, he has a brown scarf. You can see it. The brown yeah. scarves are worn by men that are married in Leftahar. Oh, he's married? So that boy is married. Oh my god. <laughs> but how did they overpower the guards? They it doesn't make any sense. Why do they we don't have look such like good a bunch footage of, of this happening? What the hell is going on here? This is a prison escape, and we are like it's recorded live. <laughs> and they're not even like, like running; they're like lightly walking at a fast pace. <laughs> what the hell is happening here? <laughs> How did they overpower the guards? They don't look like it, they don't look like they would be. They're carrying babies. They're carrying their hand. Why are they? Why are you? Why, have, are, why okay, is this? An they are so extreme. Is, they hmm. put chadors on infants that are less than one years old. They're because they've been with men who lost after babies. So I don't blame it's so them. It's crazy. That. So they cover up their babies as well? I have never seen a baby that has such a pudgy is... freaking out-of-the-womb face with a hijab tied around its head. 
they technically don't call it hijab, but you know what I mean. But how did the guards not able to stop a bunch of women in Chador that are carrying babies in Chador? <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like literally, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I, is it is it the boy? I'm worried about the boy. He looks like he's having like a mental breakdown. <laughs> Look at him. Oh, you want to see children having a mental breakdown? It gets way worse than that. Wait, I have to Look show you him. this video. Look at the okay. Look at the boy. He looks like. What's happening? What is this next part? Is this the This leader? is a guy that's being interviewed. Wait, we don't have audio. I think oh, they give okay. I think they say what he says in subtitles though, because he's speaking in Spanish. Hold on, let me start from the beginning with the audio so you guys get the feel of what was going on. Are those the guards right there next to the door? Look at this lady is just walking by like a book. This is a prison escape, guys, of Jewish Taliban, Chadori Jewish people. Jewish people in Jewish people in, in hijab. With babies in hijab. Okay, where's this guy? Uh, Jewish sect member. The community decided to leave the compound because they were violating our rights to be here in liberty. I thought the compound was like a prison. How is that? Uh, and we went to Mexico Refugee Agency to ask for help and shelter from the Israeli embassy. Ah, oh. yeah, Israel does not. I said, wait a minute. People. Now you're Zionist, huh? Now you are going back to Daddy Israel. What happened? I they they will say whatever they need to say to get what they want out of people. I was watching an interview with a survivor of Lev Tahar, and he talks about like they'll be pro-Israeli when they need to be pro-Israeli. They'll be anti-Zionist when they need to be anti-Zionist. But really, they'll they'll suck up to other Orthodox communities when they need to. But on the inside, they say that they are the only Jews, and then when the Messiah comes, it's only for their group, and that everyone else is a goy. Goyim, um, Gentile, you know, so the, they're just opportunistic in maintaining their high control abusive group over people. Um, Dia saying, I don't think the government really cared about these people. They just had them gather there after they arrested their police, their leader in a police raid. Yeah, it's so unfortunate, but I want to show this other video that's freaking crazy. Um, but there's an important... Question from Ion. Ion is saying, where did they get the funding to do this? Okay, so I was watching an interview today, and some of the leaders who actually ended up getting arrested in this human trafficking case were interviewed beforehand by the interviewer. And they were saying that they have received over $400,000 from different communities around the world, including he said that there was like what? a Satmar rabbi in the United States that gave him $60,000 alone. Oh, my God. So they actually do, for some reason, receive a lot of outside funding, according to them. Religious privilege. You could be the wackiest group of people doing the most horrible things to children. But just because you belong to a religious sect, somebody somewhere is going to support you. It's so this is what atheists are missing. We don't support each other like this. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if there was an atheist group doing stuff that was this abusive, I wouldn't want it to be funded by other atheists, so I don't think that's exactly the point you want, but... No, this is a level of dedication that we need for the cause. No! Not no. uncritical financial support no. of... No! No? Okay. 
Um, so this is what happened after that group escaped. Realizado el viernes en Tapachula, Chiapas. Eso entre otros delitos. Um, Otras cinco personas con varios menores de edad like, fueron trasladados a las instalaciones del DIF en Tapachula, donde ser deportados a Israel. Sin embargo, Wait, let me skip forward a little bit. There's some of them are left behind. Why? You forgot. Why? 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 Oh Spanish? Yeah, they're saying like, look, they took my family. They went with my family. Oh my God, Jewish Taliban speaking Spanish. I have seen everything. Abandoned Jewish Taliban boy begging his Yeah, the, the, the house of my mom is in Tapachula. My mom isn't here. My, my dad isn't here. They're in Tapachula. Look at these girls against the, the security forces. Like, this is... It speaks to like how indoctrinated these children are. It disturbs me. And I want people to see this because I want people to understand like what high control environments do to people. But like, check out these girls. They're calling them Yahtzees. These girls are calling the, the guards Yahtzees. But yeah. So guys, we're not saying the actual word because you two N word. They're calling them the N word. What the this, hell? This one. Wait, no, and the the the. This is <laughs> the the television presenter goes. What is this? <laughs> exactly, that's the proper reaction. <laughs> what am I looking at? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! It's so weird. Wait, they're Jewish. They're wearing the hijab, and they're. Calling Mexican guard Yahtzees in Spanish. Okay. That's a There's so mix. much going on. It's crazy. But mm. this, oh my gosh, I really wanted to give an update on this case because we talked about the original federal indictments coming down against Love the Heart when they first happened. And this is a major update. And it's so strange to me that they still seem to have like power and support over um <laughs> Vishwa saying that summed up my reaction what is this, is this <laughs> okay so no man is saying what n-word i mean like guys come on the n-word the n people that ruled over germany during world war ii we're just not saying it it rhymes with yahtzee okay cool all right yeah um yeah, I think it's important to pay attention to what this group does because they're so extreme and abusive. Um, but let's move on to the next news. All right. Can we clap for the next news? Um, Nobody died. Yeah, it's, it's okay. In comparison, yeah, it's fine. We, I mean, Okay, we'll, yeah, we'll clap, clap, but without enthusiasm because okay. it was like, okay, next news. Next news. Mob of 200 storms mosque in Indian village and thrashes worshippers inside. 
On October 12th, hundreds of Hindus forced their way into a mosque in a village outside of Delhi, where Muslims were offering the night, nightly prayers. According to a retired army officer, uh, Subedar Nazar Muhammad, who registered the complaint, the trouble began earlier in the day when about 200 people surrounded the mosque and threatened to expel the Muslims from the village. Later in the evening, the mob returned and assaulted people, including women, elders, and the imam, and ransacked the mosques. Uh, witnesses said that the Hindus locked the door while threatening them, and some had guns. The mob had fled by the time the police arrived. The night after the attack, village elders apologized to the Muslims, and the Muslims decided to let the matter drop and put the compromise in writing for the police department. The fight was allegedly started because of ongoing renovations at the mosque prompted rumors that the mosque was illegally expanding. So I want to give some context to what happened here. So this happened in a village outside of Delhi called Gurugram. And people might remember that we've talked about Gurugram to some extent because in Gurugram, there was a huge controversy over Muslims praying in public, offering the mosque in public. Do you remember this, Armin? And mm. there would be one, it turned into this whole legal thing. The, oh, yeah. the city started to revoke the permission for Muslims to do this, even though it had previously been allowed. And in the areas where the Muslims were offering namaz in public, um, they were, um, it was, it was actually becoming a dangerous situation because right-wing, very intense, extreme right-wing Hindus would come to these areas, start raising hate speeches, start, you know, protesting. And I mean, it, it just became the perfect setup for violence, right? Um, and part of what was happening in Guru Gram was that the Muslims were praying in public because they're, according to everything I've read in my understanding, is that there isn't enough space for them actually in the mosques that are available in this village. And so they essentially had no choice but but to do it in public because there literally isn't enough space. And so there was even a Sikh temple. Uh, um, what's the word for it? Uh, Gudwara that actually offered to open up areas of the Gudwara to let Muslims pray inside their space to get them off of the streets, basically. And some people praised them for it, but actually there was a huge backlash to this Gujwara opening up their space so they don't have to do it on the street in response to the public outrage over people doing this in public, right? So this is happening in the same area that has been dealing with this huge controversy that started in 2021. And... So there was this mosque that was having renovations. And ever since they started doing renovations on the mosque, it raised tensions in the areas. Because then people started spreading rumors that the mosque is actually expanding. And they're doing so legally. Even though the mosque, my understanding, is, is actually on private property. So because there were these allegations against them, that that is what prompted people to storm this mosque destroy many areas of it based on the footage that i found and just assault people straight up in the mosque um because 
you know, I, some sort of fear over Islamic expansion or something, which is like, okay, if you don't want them praying in the street, which personally I would, I in general don't like to see that kind of thing in public life. So I understand the impulse. However, I think it's extremely hypocritical because ritual practice is everywhere in Indian public life, if we're being honest. Anyways, it's like, okay, so you don't want them to do it in public. So even if they, okay, even if it, the rumor was true that they were expanding, is that not the solution to your problem, theoretically? But it's not really about actually fixing that problem, right? It's about putting them in their place. I don't know. What 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 yeah, so, ba so basically you're like, oh, why are you praying in the streets? So like, okay, let's build them a place so that they could not pray in the streets. Like, oh no, you're expanding. And like, okay, so what do you what do you want? Like, if this the solution for them not to be praying in the streets is to build them a place to for them to pray. But I I guys correct me in the live chat. What do you think? I think that they don't need to be consistent or care about anything because all they need is they want to find a way to storm a mosque and basically attack Muslim worshipers because that's, they're just waiting for an excuse. They're like, Oh, mosque illegal. Say no more. I'm here with my pitchfork. Like, just tell me anything Islam illegal, Muslim illegal, um, mosque illegal or something. I just like, Oh, the government is not going to do its job, so the government, so we have to take the laws in our own hand. Like they just like, I think they dream about days like this where they could go and attack a mosque, and they're just waiting for anything in the news to basically use as a rallying cry to get their fellow Hindu people to go and do this like they're just like looking for, they're just like looking at the headlines and the news just like give us please 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 give me an excuse so i could go do this am i being too pessimistic saying that shriyash agrees with me saying yes yeah no other people in the live chat who are even ex indian ex-muslims agree that it's about putting people in their place essentially and people are telling me that oh gurugram isn't actually a village blah 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 it's quite big Frankly, I'm not that familiar with, you know, different sizes of places in India, but in the, I was just going with how it was described in all the media that I read. Um, it's kind of a term that's used quite diffusely in a lot of media that I've read. So my apologies if I inaccurately categorize that. But, um, oh, there's a comment that you should read by Numan. Okay, Numan is saying, why, Armin, why don't they pray in their own house? Well, because religion, the utility it has for religious people is not actually questions to answers to questions about uh, life and universe and stuff. The main point of religion, the, the need that is satisfying is the rituals that is done with other people, right? Like for some reason, our brains are wired to desire stuff like that, right? It basically builds tribes, and tribes is how humans manage to survive. And exactly. rituals, pu uh, public group rituals is how we signal to each other that we belong to a tribe and we don't. So our brains, like a lot of us atheists don't feel that because our brains, because we're like kind of like the mutation in the meme, okay? So we might, a lot of us might not get what the hell is about this that people desire. 
But apparently, most humans have a need for that, have a need uh, for rituals that is done in groups. So and that's I actually what completely is. understand that. I just do it in, in different ways. Like people could yeah. say that us doing the news every week is yeah. the Atheist Republic ritual. Or you could go sports. It's where we get sports. together. We talk about things that are important to us. We share our community. We share our ideas. It's the time that we spend together. Yeah. Or sports like or music mm -hmm. festivals, stuff like that. But so that point, of, like the, as much as people say, oh, Islam is bad, like going to heaven and being in love with, the, uh, you know, being horny for Allah or like <laughs> Hinduism. Well, people, I'm sure people really <laughs> say that. What? <laughs> <laughs> or people saying Hinduism is about like getting in touch, like being do, you know, doing being in touch with your car, dharma or whatever. Um, it's not really about that. It's about being part of a community and doing things that makes you recognize that you're part of that community, right? So that's why you wouldn't Muslims wouldn't just pray at their home. They need to do their Friday prayers or whatever public prayers they want to do. That's their that's the whole point. That's the whole point of religion. I mean, not the whole point, but a major part of religion. Yeah. Oh, and um, I also pronounced <laughs> his name correctly. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. D is saying, oh, no, we're in a cult. <laughs> this is actually funny because as I really love to study cult psychology, and one writer and researcher about this, his name is Dr. Stephen Hassan, and he actually is a, a, a cult survivor. And he talks about like cult is a word that has a very negative connotation. Um, and it's basically our short term way of saying a destructive high control group. Right. But technically any form of consistent congregation or group could be categorized as a cult. So what he talks about as being more constructive is looking at the beliefs and practices of the groups and if the group's behavior and beliefs and ideology is constructive to human creativity and self-expression or if it is destructive to it. So, um, and there's many different ways in which a group can be destructive. It, it comes in the form of behavioral control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. And um, if groups actually promote critical thinking, if they promote criticism of leadership, if they um, promote creativity of its members, and if the group members do not face consequences and ostracization, if they freely decide to leave the group, then that is the mark of a constructive group. So those are things I actively think about when I'm leading Atheist Republic, because I want to make sure that we are actually a space that is very constructive to a, a, a person's felt. Wait, so we can't hunt down the people who unsubscribe? <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's actually one of the reasons why I hate when you say that. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Uh, wait, people are, some people were... Uh, Norman and Ian were shocked that women are in mosques. Look, what are you talking, guys? Women, most, I mean, every single mosque that I've ever seen has a woman section and it has a men's section and a woman's section. Why are you guys are shocked about women being in mosques? Mm -hmm. um, okay, I already read that. You start this one? Um. Oh, yeah. D is saying this is important that there are just a handful of Muslim families in the areas. Reports say that they are regularly harassed. That's true. There are some reports that say that there are only 
four to six Muslim families in the area, but I was reading more and it turns out that those families are actually quite large in the extended area. So, um, I mean, that doesn't justify anything, but it was larger than, oh, just saying that there are only four families initially led me to believe. Um, uh, oh, Shriyash is saying the weekly air shows are actually my rituals. Seriously. I mean, same. <laughs> Um, Satya is saying, is there actually a primary source which confirms the attackers were Hindutva? They could have just been Hindus. I didn't actually say that they were Hindutva. I simply said Hindus. I don't remember saying that they Fing, were Hindutva. I said that. I just, I, I'm just, me saying Hindutva is just my version of saying Hindus were like a little bit more aggressive. I know that's not right. I should say Tunis maybe. Harris yeah. came up with the Tunis. Yeah, there were Tunis. Okay. I'm and uncomfortable saying that word as a white person. <laughs> we're okay, we're just saying it so that we don't say not all Hindus. Guys, yeah, you guys come enough. up with the yeah. Twinnies. Wait, what's wrong with saying twinnies? I feel okay, this is me and my cultural context. I feel like me saying that as an American white person comes across as racialized slur. So <laughs> But I'm it's like, not I would racialized. rather not say that because that I feel like it would be gross to hear me say that about it. I don't know. I don't like it. A lot of people are saying that about Tunis, like criticizing Harris, like this sounds bigoted. I would like, but it's not. It's really literally he just came up with a term so that he's not bigoted. So he's not saying all Hindus. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um uh, yeah. Satya is saying, damn, Susanna, such honesty is not expected of a leftist. Okay, Satya, I would like you to put some respect on my name. I am not a leftist, okay? <laughs> I am so hey, I am triggered by being identified as a... I am on the left, okay? I'm on the left. I am that not a leftist. leftist. That it term carries leftist. a lot of emotional baggage for me. <laughs> I'm not a freaking commie, okay? I'm not a like socialist, okay? I'm a lib. I'm just a flaming lib. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. When I see the leftist. I think of these, you know, constantly like tanky, freaking, won't stop talking about anti-imperialism to the extent that it loses all meaning. Oh, like yeah. coping for like authoritarianism. Like that's when I think when I hear leftist. At, at this Wait. point in my life. Because <laughs> I'm so frustrated. So don't you, you said, dare call me that. <laughs> you sent me a meme about this. Can I share that? <laughs> Rivka sent this to me when I was oh, venting Rivka to her me. about my frustrations. It was so good. All right, so for people who don't have visuals, uh, it says trolley problem, but for leftists. A Hellfire missile can take out the trolley, but that would be imperialism. <laughs> it's perfect. This meme is everything. I love it. I'm going to use it so many times. I know. It's so funny. Satya is saying, is progressive the right word? No, that word carries a lot of baggage for me, too, after living almost liberal, 10 years in the liberal. San Francisco liberal. Bay Area. Just call me yeah. a liberal, okay? Liberal. I just want to be a lib. <laughs> <laughs> Charles is saying, in Europe, you're leftist by European standards. Okay, I know that this is very culturally dependent. Like, if I say I'm on the left in India, people are going to think I'm a full-blown communist, okay? So you have to be careful about what you say, what you mean, okay? okay I lib. just... Okay, Lib, thank you. Thank <laughs> you, okay? 
I just, I am a big lover. I'm a big lover of individual liberty, okay? That's my thing. That's my anchor point, okay? Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Can we, let's move on. Can we clap this for the oh, top spot for me recently? I didn't used to care so much about this, but it's been pissing me off recently. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> we all can tell. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, we I don't know how we're gonna transition to this next news after all this like laughing because it's really bad. Oh yeah, this is really sad. Okay, we have to get serious. Okay. All right, next news. Next news. Taliban executed gay man and then sent the videotape of murder to his family. This summer, the Taliban executed Hamid. Saburi, a homosexual man from Kabul, and sent the video of the brutal killing to his mother, causing outrage in Afghanistan. A small LGBT activist group in Afghanistan, known as the Behesht Collective, said that Taliban members kidnapped 22-year-old Hamid around August. Still, the news of his death only reached international media recently. Bahar, a member of the Behesht Collective and also a friend of Saburi, said Saburi was an ambitious yet shy young individual who had a dream to become a doctor before the Taliban came to power after the unexpected departure of the U.S. and combined forces in Afghanistan. Nimat Sadat, an activist who helps homosexual men cross the border into Pakistan, said, quote, the death of Hamed Saburi is further proof that the Taliban will not stop until they eradicate all gay people from Afghanistan. YouTube, this is us reporting, you know, about what other people believe, not what we think. Okay. Since the 2021 Taliban offensive, uh, the attacks upon the queer community have become more frequent. Last year, a gay man using the pseudonym Gabir reported that the Taliban kidnapped and killed his boyfriend. After that, they returned his dismembered limbs and body parts as a warning. Another gay man was burned and tortured by the Taliban last year, and now he is hiding for his safety. Why? Why would they send the video of the murder to, the, to his mom? I don't know. I mean, presumably to just cause fear and terror, maybe to shame her for raising a homosexual son or something. I don't. Who knows what goes on in the minds of these sick people? How? I mean, how do you even rationalize that? I don't know. I mean, there's. I mean, the, I mean uh, the execution I mean, videos have been used for various tactics. I mean, ever since the '90s, it really took off with the murder of Daniel Pearl. Okay, but okay, the, the execution part, we like, okay, they're like, that's their sick religion, right? But they're, they're sending the video to the family part, that's not even in the religion. Like, why do you add that? Like, your religion is horrible enough. Why are you adding on top of it? I don't understand. Like, this is not even Islamic. Yeah. Yeah. These people. <laughs> Swati is saying is when you're crossing the border to go into Pakistan, something is wrong with your country. A lot of people have to escape and seek refuge via Pakistan. And it's really scary, especially for the Afghan atheists who I've been in contact with, who like have to go then into Pakistan to try to find help for being persecuted for their atheism, where it's also extremely scary to be an atheist in Pakistan. But the thing is, 
relatively, you are less likely to be murdered for being gay in Pakistan in comparison to Afghanistan. Wow. You know, it's, a, it's about likelihood, right? Yeah, um, when you give, yeah, when you go to Pakistan for protection, then you know, yeah, you're right. You're in a dire situation. I think, I don't know, I was reading about this and there was a man who was interviewed who is an activist who helps, you know, get these men into Pakistan. And he was basically saying, like, given what we're facing in Afghanistan, um, like, I can't believe the world is just sitting idly by and letting this happen. But What can they do? I, that's what I thought, if we're being honest. For the past 20 years, we tried yeah. to intervene. And it, I mean, it, it was a horrible intervention, let's be clear. There, I mean, I don't even know how long the list of, would have been about the ways that intervention could have been better. Yeah, the the Wait. world the world largest military power attempted to fix it for many many years. The majority so of my they, lifetime. Yes, so they literally this. What else can there be done? If they could not have done it, nobody could have done it. So there's there's that. Like what is? There is no solution to this. This is just a tragedy. Do you think, because I, I mean, I don't know the answer to this question, but what could the international community be doing to improve the situation? It might not be, in, it might not be improving people's rights, but maybe just improving their baseline quality of life. You know what I mean? I think I think unfortunately the solution is to recognize the Taliban. Basically, the same thing that you were called a terrorist sympathizer for in 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 Germany in Cologne. I think like people are like oh why would you recognize their oppressors? Like the, right now the only solution the Taliban is not going to go anywhere. It doesn't seem like it at least. The only solution is to get trade going so that maybe economic development at some point will get. Maybe not now, maybe 50 years from now, your countries will come something a little bit better, right? It requires trade. It requires money flowing in. And you're not going to be able to do that without recognizing the Taliban. Unfortunately, that's a hard pill to swallow. But is there any other way? I don't know. Shake. I don't know. Can't somebody invade them again? Like, well, no. Like, you saw that even after the invasion... Taliban still managed to come back. They were nobody. The the world largest powers, multiple, were not able to get rid of it. Right. Also, so, no, absolutely no one has the appetite for direct intervention in that form again. Sergey is saying international sanctions. It's the poorest, one of the poorest countries in the world. Like, what are you going to sanction? The the only like you're going to make people's lives even more miserable. Like, I don't think that's the solution there. But I was thinking about this recently and in because I was thinking about what happened at Celebrating Descent when I asked that question and then the reaction I got from that Afghani woman, which I have a lot of compassion for genuinely. Because if someone was saying basically what I said, but in the context of Iran, I would be as outraged as she was in that moment. Do you think that's a There's fair a comparison though? 
No, there's a difference because Afghanistan has hit rock bottom, right? And and we have tried other ways. Do you know what I mean? We have tried everything. Else. We tried like military intervention. We have tried like you can't sanction your way out of a country that is already there's not there's not much else there to lose at least like with iran okay here's the thing with the iranian regime sanctions my work because they have they have something to lose okay with the with the taliban we're we have we're so close to rock bottom that there's not much to lose other than taliban's power you know the taliban's position like they are they, they they do not respond to sanctions. They do not care. With with the Iranian government, sanctions might threaten their position in power. So there's and their foreign assets. Yeah, because there's a lot of expense. So with the Iranian regime, them hold maintaining power is very expensive. You know, because they don't have the ideological grip on people that they used to have. So they need to pay people to be able to oppress people. And without the financial support, without the, fi without the financial machine that they have under their control, they will lose grip over their people. With the Taliban, these people are living in cave. Like, they don't have the same expenses when it came to. They managed to um, maintain a resistance against the United States with very little resources, right? So there's no... Oh, we're gonna take money from away from you so that maybe you disappear. They're not gonna go anywhere. It was already been tried. That's so crazy. I have a yeah. friend who was a medical student in Pakistan, and he said that it was crazy how much when he was doing his residency, the talibs would come in and receive the best, most expensive medical treatment. But he said they smelled like homeless people. Like their hygiene was absolutely abhorrent. It was. I don't know. That was fascinating to me. I was like, holy crap, you had to medically treat Talibs. Oh my God. Um, uh, are there any comments that you want to highlight? Do you think Western influence ever made it past the big cities? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's another difference between Afghanistan and Iran. Uh, the demand for a secular democracy in Iran is widespread beyond major cities, right? So not supporting the Iranian regime financially has a higher chance in eventually maybe getting in place a secular democracy because that's what the people want. In Afghanistan, there's people want Islam. You know, I, I know you want, you might get a different impression by looking at university women from Kabul, they're like, no, we don't want this. This is like we've been taken hostage. But let's just be honest. Like Afghanistan as a whole, most people, they do want Islam to rule over them. So that's why sanctions will not, if you remove the top, the, the base is still wants another, you know, the base is the problem. That's why sanctions will not work there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, okay. Can we uh, clap for the next news? Um, 
This is another wild story about crazy superstitions. I don't know if we should clap because like bad things did happen to these people. What do you yeah, think? Wait, tro tro yeah, I won't clap. But Troy is saying, I think Afghanistan will sadly remain a mess until it has a free and womenly secular Iran on its doorstep because that will likely hugely influence mindsets in Afghanistan. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't know because I mean Israel is like more secular that it didn't have this, that influence on its neighbor. Turkey was more secular than Iran. Turkey didn't have that influence on Iran. I don't know if that if that's how things work. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, next news. Um. Next news. Four people accused of witchcraft forced to eat human excrement in India. In September, a woman in the Indian state of, oh, frick, I practiced pronouncing this earlier. Okay, in the state of uh, Jharkhand, filed a complaint with the police alleging that she was tortured by villagers who leveled, excuse me, who accused her of witchcraft. On September 24th, the complainant and her husband were accused of witchcraft and beaten by villagers. The next day, the perpetrators returned and attacked the couple along with two female members of the couple's family. They were tied to a pole and beaten with a hot iron rod. The perpetrators then filled up a bottle with human excrement and forced the victims to consume it. After the police were informed, FIRs were registered against six people who had not been named. Two of the victims were treated at the community health center, while the other two were taken to the, a hospital due to severe injuries. According to data published this past February, at least 1,000 people were murdered in Jakarn State alone on suspicion of witchcraft over the last 22 years, of which 90% were women. The police registered 4,556 cases of harassment due to witch accusations between 2015 and 2020, which amounts to two or three instances a day. I don't understand why they're doing this. How is this? Is this like some anti-witchcraft? Can you yeah, explain? Literally. Explain. Break this down. Break this down for us. I like mean... How I, I mean, this is superstition running rampant. They accuse these people of witchcraft, and oftentimes witchcraft accusations, very similarly to blasphemy accusations, are used to settle personal disputes. So I have seen some reports where people have said that, and I don't know if this is true, that there was an underlying dispute that was actually at hand, like a property dispute or something. And then they accused like this couple of witchcraft, beat the crap out of them, came back and continued to beat two other female family members, um, essentially torturing them. Torturing them with the hot iron rod? Mm-hmm. According to what I've read. Okay. This is, uh, I have no comment. Do you have any comment? Let's just look at the live chat. I don't know. I mean, I think it's important to. Oh, the dog is here. Yeah, um, we need we need puppy time right now. Seriously, this. Hopefully, is, he'll go back on the couch. Um, I don't know. I think it's important to talk about like the real consequences of superstition, and it's. I don't know something that I think in is more. 
actually, no, I'm not going to make that claim. Never mind. Um, it's, it's really dangerous. And I wanted to talk about this because I actually didn't realize how bad the witch accusation problem was in India. Like that statistic shocked me that over the past like 22 years, 1000 people have been murdered over this. That's crazy because what do you, I'm, can you hear me? Yes. yes. What do you get out of that? What do you get out of giving them ex human excrement? Like what is like, what motivates you to do something? Like what is the benefit to you from doing that? It's, it's, it's public humiliation. And there are many studies about how public humiliation can actually be more physically or mentally, it can be more mentally painful to us than actual physical punishment. Okay, you were going through some data. I, I interrupted you. Finish the data. Oh, I was just saying that, yeah, 1,000 people over the past, like, 22 years is actually, in, it's, I mean, it's insane. And I was more familiar with this happening in populations of um, West Africa through the activism of Dr. Leo Igwe, who we actually interviewed on this channel about his work to help victims of witchcraft persecution or uh, you know, the, what's the word that he uses for it? Like a, alleged witchcraft accusations or something um, because the abuse is so severe in West Africa it usually materializes in terms of um, persecuting widows and old people. And you know what? keep uh, talking. I'm going to go bring your puppy just to make us feel better. Keep talking. <laughs> okay. Um, what I really like about Leo Igwe's work in Nigeria to combat um, witchcraft accusations is he's actually created a bunch of really amazing curriculum to help teach and promote critical thinking to people. Because that's really the best critical step that we can give is promoting literacy and critical thinking. Oh, baby. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I got distracted by the dog. Um, oh, and now we have an even cuter dog. There Thank you. This, this was needed. Need this is mm -hmm. what we need today. No. Okay, Poochie looks very cute with that new collar. Yeah. I like that red collar. This. We, we need a rinse. Poochie. We need a mental rinse today. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm yeah. I, I feel like I'm sorry for like always bringing such like heavy news, but honestly, like it's hard to find stuff that's not so tragic. When she smells good today, I think she showered recently. <laughs> <laughs> she took a shower, not someone cleaned. <laughs> <laughs> I like to imagine Poochie like standing on her back legs in the shower like <laughs> my little pooch pooch my little poochie poochie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everyone please remember to like this video to support Poochie. Okay? If you like Poochie, if she makes you happy, if she helps uplift you, bring you therapy, please give us a like. Uh <laughs> Shriyash is saying, if Susanna doesn't bring up heavy news, how would we see Poochie? <laughs> Good point. Thank this you. is how we earn 
the puppy time. Okay, we have to earn it. <laughs> yes, we have to earn it. We have to. You guys go through um, important news that we need to know about the world, but then that's what the reward you get for informing yourself. Exactly. Anyways. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, can we... Is the next news at least without torture and death? Yes, we can clap for this one. Okay. Absolutely no one was physically harmed in the making of this next news. Thank you, please. Uh, next news. Next news. German mosque sounds first public call to prayer amid protests by ex-Muslims. On October 14th, the Cologne Central Mosque in Germany, for the first time, sounded the azan, the Muslim call to prayer, using its two outside loudspeakers. The public call to prayer is the result of a controversial two-year trial deal made with authorities in which the Friday call would last at least would last less than five minutes and at a noise level pre-authorized according to its location. 35 other mosques in the city are also allowed to participate should they fulfill the required permitting. Mayor Henriette Raker said, quote, if we also hear the call of the, uh, what, what's this German word? Muslim? Uh, sorry, I'm just going to say Muslim. If we all also hear the call of, I don't know, I think this is the German word for mosque. If we also hear the call of the mosque in our city alongside church bells, that shows the, that diversity is appreciated and lived in Cologne. About 20 protesters showed up for the event holding signs across the street reading no uh, mosque call in Cologne. A public and also, quote, public space should be ideologically neutral. Director of the Frankfurt Research on Global Islam, Suzanne uh, Schroter, said that she worries that this could be seen as a win for Islamist hardliners. Why do they have ridiculous protests like this? Sometimes I think it does more harm than good. Okay, so what are your th views on this? They're, um, the broadcasting of the Azan in Germany. So we talked about this when this motion was first put forward a few years ago, and then now it's actually commencing. It's actually beginning. Um, I don't like it um i yeah especially with this particular mosque that was at the center of this first public call prayer is the big central mosque that was inaugurated by turkey's president recep erdogan um so i like Erdogan's power in Germany is actually frightening how he has the power to like unleash literal goons to harass people and assault them in the streets of Germany. So there's like some political connection there that I have serious questions about. Um, I think, okay, here's the deal. If we're being consistent, then there shouldn't be church bells either, but is Cologne, the city of Cologne going to stop doing the church bells over, what, what do they call the giant cathedral there? The dome where we went, Armin? No, I don't think they're going to mm. do that. No. So, yeah, and, and the I think if they're being consistent, then they should also do this, but I don't like it. I don't think it should be allowed. I think it should be secularized. What? Secularized how? Like, if there isn't a 
if there isn't a Nizan in public, then should there not should church bells in public also not be allowed? I think if you are asking for only one of them to be removed, then you're not being consistent. Exactly. And that's my point. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So, and I think the protesters are not asking for the bell to be removed. So they are, are they being well, asked? Some of them are. A lot of them are saying that the public space should be ideologically neutral. I mean, it, the public space can't be ideologically neutral. But I think because the public space is where you could bring different viewpoints. That's whole the point, whole point of public space, right? You could have, I don't know, Islamic events, Christian events. If the public space is supposed to be neutral, how are you going to have Christmas celebrations in the public? Like you can't. Oh my God! And they, Germans go hardcore for a public Christmas celebration. Yeah, I think we. Want I mean, public, it's, and I mean, they do a fantastic job about it too. It's really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like here's my point. Okay, public spaces. It's government spaces that have to be religiously neutral. Public spaces can be religiously neutral uh, because they're supposed to be public. That means everybody gets to use it. And But I still have a problem with that, and I will tell you what it is, right? Um, I think it is the, the message behind it is very different than the church bell itself. No, that's not what I, my problem is. My problem well, is that so. you can't... My problem is that you can't butt out, okay? Like if there is a Christmas um, event or a, or a booth with some Muslims inviting you to come and learn about Islam in public, like I'm not opposed to that, right? Like let's say, for example, you have like, I don't know, a gathering in a park where Muslims are coming and say like, welcome to Islam, let me teach you about Islam, right? And it's in a public space, um, the public, it should be allowed even though... So, again, if it's allowed, that means the public space is not neutral because we have Muslims, they have their pamphlets, they're inviting you to Islam, and it's in public, and it should be completely allowed. It shouldn't be allowed on, I don't know, government, like in a court or, or in a police station or something like that, but in a public park, it should be allowed. However, the difference is that if I don't want to go to that booth, I can just skip right past, right? Or if there is a Christmas event and I don't want to attend... I could just skip it. I should, you know, if, even if it's in the park, I could just not go if I don't want to go, right? But the thing is that the azan and church bells are imposed on you, okay? So I cannot not hear it. Like if I live there, I am being technically forced to listen to the azan or church bells. I just wish that this level of anti, you know, the so I agree. I am I am against the Azan being played in public or church bills. But the fact is that if you're sensitive now, it shows that this is not really about principles here. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like if you had if these groups had a history of being against church bills, then it would have been easier for us to believe that this is about what they say this is about. I don't know, maybe I'm being too picky here. I mean, to a certain extent, I do actually think they rightly see it as an Islamization of Germany, especially with some of the organizations that are involved um, in, in terms of who was pushing for this, right? Um, but, Armin, in terms of what you were saying about the public space and stuff and it not being ideologically neutral, how does that... Do you... 
okay, if the public space is not ideologically neutral, then why do you have a problem with people giving namaz in public, say in Guru Gram in India, like we were talking about earlier in the show? Oh, only because they're blocking the road. Mm-hmm. Not because, you know, only that's the only reason. Not because you know, not because you can't have religion in public. The public sphere is where you have everything. So how could that be neutral when you have like atheists coming out and advocating for whatever they are, secularists, uh, religious people, different political groups? Like it's the least ideological neutral place. It's supposed to be a mishmash of ideas competing with each other. That's the whole. That's how we want the public sphere to be, not neutral. Mm-hmm. No, that mm-hmm. the issue is like you are. Again, the issue with them praying in, in the road is the same thing with the Adhan. It's like, I can't opt out. Like, you're in my goddamn way. Like, I cannot, like, you're blocking the road that was there for me to drive through, right? And the Adhan is, again, the problem with the Adhan is, like, I can't butt out of this. I can't, like, say, like, no, thank you. Like, I, if I live here, I have to listen to this. So that's the problem with the Adhan. Yeah. Should, I just wanted to it, ask you so, that. So, so, so clarifying. I think the public sphere does not have to be neutral, but pe- but people should be able to not be exposed to it. Like if it's in public, if somebody doesn't want it, they should be able to say like, not, you know, remove, remove themselves from it. Yeah. Remove themselves from it. That's what it is. Yeah, that's yeah I just wanted to ask you that because I feel like that could be an area where people like try to point us as hypocrites or something. I think it's a good question. I think, I think we're being very consistent here. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do think is different, I think, I actually do think that church bells and the Azan are fundamentally different though, because church bells are typically used to just demark the time. And in, but I in, don't want to hear it, it. If I don't want to no, hear no, it, like, why might be? Let me finish. It? Let me finish. Yeah. yeah. Trust me. I don't want to hear it either. Okay. When I went to a Catholic college and I was taking a nap. Okay. And I'd get woken up at noon because the church bells start going off crazy and particularly at noon, I'd get pissed off. Okay. I want to finish my nap. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I completely agree. I don't want to hear it either. But um, what I'm saying is in most instances that I'm used to in my lifetime, especially growing up Catholic, church bells are usually sounded on the hour, sounded a little bit more at noon or sounded and very special occasions for maybe weddings or something, or maybe you sounded a little bit extra for baptisms or something when people are leaving. Um, but the Azan is fundamentally different because although it is demarking the time in a certain way, because it's demarking the time for prayer, it's not just a demarcation of time. It is also a declaration of the supremacy of Allah in the public space, mm. which is much different than just church bells for the sake of letting people know what time it is. I don't want to control religious. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't know if the message of the religious is why we should like. Are we like now coming up with government policies on what's allowed or what's not allowed based on? No, no, no. I wasn't advocating for policies on the basis of this difference. I'm just saying I think that there is a difference between the two. There's a difference, but when it comes to making policy decisions, the only thing that matters is that they're religious. No, I agree. I agree. Or the ideas that are being imposed on people. So for me, from that, in that sense, the Adhan and the church bells are in one category. And mm-hmm. they should be treated the same. Yeah. 
Anyways, I think we're, we're good at being consistent here. So, but this, this public call to prayer thing is in a trial period for two years. So it'll be interesting to see, see if after two years they keep it or if they rescind this program. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they keep it, to be honest. Some, something I don't remember saying, sorry, but public places are not for religious purposes. How are you saying that? Like, even in France, which is the most secular goddamn country in the world, I think, you could have Jehovah's Witnesses in a park handing out pamphlets pamphlets about inviting people to Jehovah's Witness. Like, I think something allowed. I don't remember is referencing you talking about giving the Maz in public. Look, Namaz in public is an issue because they're just blocking roads. Not because it's religion in public spaces. Like, in the same place, if if Muslims come out like in a park and be like, have inviting people to Islam without harassing people, that should be allowed. Like, I don't understand how, what law would ever be able to ban that. Like, it shouldn't. The public sphere is where people are free. That's where you exercise freedom of expression the most. Exactly. So people, and, and, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're um, going to limit there, like we're limiting how what people can say in private places because it's your it's your area. Mm -hmm. right? Government spaces, we're limiting that. Private spaces, like this is my place. I get to decide what the rules are. The only place that is left for us to exercise free speech will be public spaces. You can't take that one away. Yeah, like when France was about to, they put forward a motion in one of their houses of parliament to like ban the hijab in public for all girls under 18 or something. We were so against that. Yeah, that was insane. It's like way too authoritarian. Yeah, I mean, even France does allow people in public spaces to come out and invite people to their religion and stuff like that. Yeah, the issue with that zone is not that it's in public. The issue with that zone is that it's being imposed on people without their will, without their consent. Yeah, yeah, it's, not, yeah. Like it's, it's not. I'm not consenting to hearing this. Right? That's the problem. Anyways, we should move on. Yes. I don't understand uh, this question. I don't understand what this question is. Do you yeah, understand let's move on. No. Okay, I don't. Set here. Sorry, we don't understand the question. Um. All right. Can we clap for the next news? Um. Yes. No one got hurt. Okay. Nobody got hurt. Next news. Next news. Council of Islamic Ideology throws a wrench in Pakistani trans rights bill. On September 18th, Pakistan's Council of Islamic Ideology stated that a law introduced in 2018 for transgender people, which allows them to be recognized as their gender without needing any confirmation from a medical board, is unsuitable by Islamic standards. The claim that the bill is unacceptable as per Islamic standards came from a Pakistani senator, Mushtaq Ahmed, from the explicitly anti-LGBT Jamaat-e-Islami, or JI, party. The 2018 Transgender Persons Protection of Rights Bill was created to protect transgender people from discrimination. According to Mushtaq, permitting people to change their gender marker would become, quote, a danger to the family and inheritance systems as the assets are divided based on gender by the Islamic system of inheritance. This would result in 220 million people being able to decide, quote, whatever they want. 
Nasreen Jalil, a member of the Senate of Pakistan and chair of the Senate Functional Committee on Human Rights, said, quote, the transgender community is opposed to the idea of setting up a medical board that should determine their gender, fearing that they might be subjected to embarrassment and harassment. Armin, your reaction. Okay, first of all, I'm actually surprised Pakistan has a trans right bill at all. Are you, were you surprised or is that just me? Um, not entirely. Yeah, look, AJ uh, <laughs> is saying the same thing. Wait, Pakistan actually tried to protect someone's rights? <laughs> That's exactly my reaction. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not she's not surprised over protecting trans people's rights it's protecting look, someone's rights yes someone's right look uh, darker yeah. is surprised like me too like but like they are working on trans rights bill that's that is surprising yeah people are surprised as i am like okay so that well yeah so pakistan actually has a university where trans people can go to school for free interestingly <laughs> enough know. So they actually have oh a okay, bunch so of like, great. A, or not maybe a bunch, but they have some like wellness programs or resources um, available to the community, which, yeah, it did surprise me. According to um, some polls or uh, senses, whatever, um, that are available, the transgender community in Pakistan is only a little over 10,000 people. But I kind of find that hard to believe in a country of 220 million. I would yeah. com- I would completely bet that the actual community is much larger than that. It's just a function of if you're in an environment that's safe enough for you to express yourself, um, which is a huge context in which people come out and actually express themselves. And that, that's a whole other conversation where my gender studies degree is coming in but (laughs) um so with this what i thought was interesting was the role of the council of islamic ideology and people can correct me if i'm wrong because i was trying to understand what is the role of this body in pakistan because to me that's almost like what's most interesting about this is the, the council of islamic ideology is basically a constitutional body in pakistan which has to give recommendations on the laws that are on the books, the laws that are proposed and so forth, and basically declare to what extent they are aligned with Sharia before putting them forward to be adopted and so forth, or even um, criticizing things that are already adopted and so forth. What's not clear to me is if this Council of Islamic Ideology, I'm not sure if they actually have the power to revoke anything. I'm not sure if they're simply a um have a, a recommending capacity or if they actually do have some power to veto things or do their own enforcements um but just the idea of having a council of islamic ideology that has to review all your laws to be in compliance with sharia is absolutely bonkers to me in ugh, yeah a, like democratic nation quote unquote Okay, look uh, at this tweet. This is Tanzim uh, Islami. So this is an Islamic Twitter account in Pakistan saying, the so-called Transgender Act 2018 
is in fact a shameful attempt to further the malevolent agenda of malevolent agenda of homosexuality. It is part of the evil social engineering program of the West. All un-Islamic clauses from the act must be removed. I don't think like this person understands what does homosexuality got to do with transgender? How could you, how is that related? I don't think, no, I think they see it as one in the same thing as a source of Western degeneracy. Okay. They're both sources of Western degeneracy and moral corruption in their eyes. I don't think like the, the details about what distinguishes them probably isn't of any importance. Are these people protesting against the bill? Um, wait, let me, see, yes. let me pull this up. Yeah, these are people protesting against the transgender right bill. Yeah, we reject transgender act. Oh, wait, this is so interesting. Oh, wow. These are trans women who are protesting against this. Why? I'm Because it look at it says the 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 it says we reject transgender act she male association of fundamental rights, and then the the translation which isn't very good says hundreds of eunuchs came to a field in Islamabad against the transgender act demand for annulment of the act transgenders the guys I'm just using the word that's in the translation okay are well aware that a certain section wants to achieve in the guise of their rights. What does that mean? I don't, I don't know what that means. Like that they're being used to achieve some other political end in some capacity. I'm so but confused. What? So Pakistan has a transgender. This is this is what mind blowing for me today. Okay, so Pakistan for, has a bill to protect trans people. Okay, that's already mind blowing enough. And trans people are protesting against it. I'm mm. so confused right now. I don't know. Okay, just maybe they sense. don't like certain aspects of the bill. So one of the major things that's the contention is that the bill is saying that you don't need to have approval by a doctor to change your gender marker, which mm. in an isolate in a vacuum, like I would disagree with. <laughs> which is controversial. <laughs> People are so confused in the live chat like me. It's good to, it's yeah. good that we're confused together. People are like, what is happening? And you're like, what the actual F? But okay, I am confused. People <laughs> and says, oh my God, this is confusing. Typical Pakistan. <laughs> okay, but here's, here's something that is less confusing. Let's go back to what we recognize, okay? A Muslim guy burning burning the bill, okay? That's what we're... Burning the LGBT act. Why does it oh have music? Oh my god, I have to turn it off. I don't know if the music is copyrighted, so I'm gonna turn it. Okay, burning the LGBT act. I'm sure that that I love it. that they put flames on the hashtag. Yes. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, wait. Why does it have music? Okay. Great. You gotta really give that feeling, okay? Yeah. Okay, at least at least that makes sense to us. Um, I think that yeah. I don't know. That's really interesting. I wonder why they're protesting it. I wonder if it has to do with the 
things in the bill about the medical board. I don't know. But the fact, what I find interesting about why the Islamic side doesn't like this is because of the inheritance systems. Like, out of all the reasons that you don't like this, that's not what I was expecting. Because <laughs> this is mostly surrounding contentions around trans women, right? But if you were transitioning to be a woman and changed your gender marker to female or woman, whatever, and then you would have less inheritance available to you under Islamic jurisprudence. So who would be motivated to do that? Or maybe they're concerned about trans men, like females transitioning to males simply so that they can get a well, bigger inheritance. That's that's amazing if that's the reason. Is this what's going um, on? I don't know. But here, look, um, I agree you need to satisfy some medical body to be confirmed as trans. So, okay, no. Wait, I think people were, were that's not what I want to tell you. People don't want ins inspections. Is that the reason that trans people are against it? Maybe that the bill requires inspections, bodily inspections. No, no, no. The, the bill is removing the need to get met, removing the need to get confirmation from a medical board. Oh, so this might be that. some TERFs. This might be some trans TERFs that we're like, oh, <laughs> it might. No, this might be some trans. <laughs> Medicalists, like some trans people that are like threatened. I'm just guessing here, spitball. I have no idea if this is true. Okay, maybe there are some trans people that transition that they're thinking that this makes their transness put in question because now you're making anybody could say that they're trans, and now, like, because they had to go, they want people to. There are some trans medicalists that think that no, you can't be a trans unless you go through these steps. So maybe they're against the bills because they think they make it too easy for people to be called trans. But they have gone through so much to be trans. Maybe that's what it is. Well, first of all, that's not a really accurate description of a quote-unquote trans medicalist stance. Um, I don't, I kind of, I don't know if that would really be the context of what's inspiring them here. Because that whole debate is like, kind of the culture war that's extremely Western focused right now. I mean, I could be wrong, mm. but that whole debate and argument is like really Western. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I can't believe Pakistan is having these discussions when half the country is under the flood. Um, I mean, it's good. It's a sign of progress though, that you get to have these conversations. There. I consider this a more like, it's wild, you know, yeah okay all right can we um clap for the next news i yeah i mean yeah no one got hurt physically okay. next news next news louisiana high school students tricked into attending sick religious event this is crazy and this is another instance of like america what the hell is happening um recently High school students at the East Baton Rouge Parish School in a Louisiana school district were told that they would attend a college and career fair, but were surprised to arrive at a church. School administrators told students that they would attend a career fair called Day of Hope instead of meeting college, colleges and companies for a possible career fair. Students were sent to a church called Living Faith Christian Center. 
The students were then segregated by male and female, disregarding an individual's gender identity, and were forced to register to vote in order to receive the advertised free food. Brittany Bryant, a biology teacher who stayed with the students, said that the boys were instructed to go outside while the girls were left in the church for girl talk. Speakers at the event talked about RAPE, I can't say the word because of YouTube, um, forgiving the perpetrator of assaults. Uh, R-I-P? Okay, R-A-P-E. Oh, did I spell, spell it wrong? wrong? God yes. damn, my <laughs> dyslexia. That's embarrassing. A, um, <laughs> talking it's about forgiving the, <laughs> the forgiving the perpetrators of assaults, um, self-deletion, again, I cannot say the word because of YouTube, prayer leadership, and many more other dark, controversial topics. The Freedom From Religion Foundation, or FFRF, criticized the school for tricking its students into undergoing a devastating experience. In response to the traumatizing event paid for by taxpayer dollars, a group called Day of Nope is seeking legal action. So um, here's the thing. We, okay, I will, I will give an overview. Previously, so this school district has begun partnering with an explicitly religious group called 2911, which is a reference to um, a Bible verse, I think maybe in Jeremiah, I can't remember. And they were supposed to be sponsoring this career fair, college fair for students. And it was supposed to bring together high school seniors from different schools across the district together for this event. And they were bussed in. And when they were bussed in, they discovered that they were at a church. And then there was apparently very little actual college and career resources available there. There were some that were outside of this church. But then mostly they were ushered into the auditorium of the church and preached at. And then after some time, they were split into girls versus boys and the girls were inside the auditorium and they were forced to go through this like girls talk where this woman talked about how basically she was like trying to date around and she ended up dating this guy who attempted to strangle her and then she was like too ashamed or agreed to date him in secret and how if she had just trusted in God's plan to find the right person for her, then this wouldn't have happened to her. And then there was another woman who talked about basically finding the body of her son, like after his self-deletion in like great detail about what it actually looked like. And then there was a different dude who started talking about how he was paralyzed when he was like nine years old and then was able to start walking again and then went to jail for like a violent crime, like just crazy, crazy stuff. Students were like sobbing in the bathrooms because of just the, the graphic nature of what was being told to them and how there wasn't consideration to maybe like the closeness of those events happening within the personal lives of those students. And um, then it, I've, I've seen a copy of the flyer that was given to the students. There's nothing on this flyer that mentions that this is religiously affiliated in any way. There's nothing on this flyer that 
says this will be at a church. It advertises free food. Like apparently I said they were forced to attend a, um, they were forced to register to vote to be able to get the free food that was advertised on the flyers. And there was actually like really not that much of the resources that were advertised to them. While the girls were inside being subjected to conversations about how you should forgive the people that do non-consensual things to you, the boys were outside being told to like do push-ups for rewards. Like it's so bizarre. And then at the end they were invited, like you can either leave right now or if you want to come and be saved, then come to the front of the, the stage, blah, blah, blah. And at which point one of the students that was interviewed was like, no, I've had enough of this. I'm getting out. I'm leaving right now. Like, um, yeah, this is all facilitated by the school and the school district has like reiterated that they are working with this organization to seemingly provide, yeah, career resources to their students. It's absolutely insane. And so the, the group called Day of Nope has already raised over $10,000 to fund their uh, legal battle, their legal expense, because they're going to sue. They're desperate, oh. right? Like, the fact that they have to... You know, they know that their programs are not popular if they have to trick people into it. Anyways. This is actually an Armin. Like, this is a captive audience. You got cut for a sec. Oh. You said it's a captive audience. Are you back? There we go. We're, you're back. Susie? Yes, now I can hear you. Okay, good. You were saying? Yeah. You were saying it's a captive audience? Oh, no, that was basically all I had to say. It was... Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's an important point. These are children, and they're, they are in a, a context of a school setting where they're answerable to adults. Anyway, let's go through the next news because your connection is chappy chappy. So we want to make sure that we finish the news before you get even more chappy. Um, you're with us? Yes, you are. Cool. Yes. All right, cool. All right, can we clap for the next news? Yes, we can. <laughs> All right, next news. Next news, Atheist Republic launches emergency translation project to support Iranian uprising. So I wanted to celebrate the amazing work of a great team at our Atheist Republic Persian community. And they started this really amazing project. So when the uprising started in Iran, we were getting a lot of messages from people in our community inside of Iran, basically asking for help, asking like, what do we do? How do we protect ourselves? How do we organize? Like really like just be begging us for help in direction. And um, the leadership of Atheist Republic Persian like responded to that call in a really amazing way. So, um, I helped collect a series of materials that can be used for practical purposes of self-protection at protests. And I handed this over to the Persian team and they, a whole group of people put in 
this incredible work to translate this into Persian because this information is not easily available in Persian. And so we wanted to make this as easily available and accessible to people as possible. So the guide that Armin is showing right now is a 26-page pamphlet in translation on how to treat bleeding and gunshot wounds. And with visuals and talking about the equipment you need and also tactics to avoid getting shot, how to take cover, stuff like this. And we also have another guide that we've already produced. Um, if you want to pull that up, Armin. This one yes. is just one page summary. Yeah. yeah, so this is a one page summary and this is really cool. It's basically about like what to do at a protest. What, what should I do? What should I not do? How do I treat tear gas? What should I bring? Um, what strategies should we use? stuff like that. And, um, I am literally like exploding with pride over what the team put together. Like, I, I don't know. I think this is absolutely incredible. Um, and we have more stuff in the works. In fact, we have another very, very special project that we're continuing to work on right now, but we have to, we can't, we can't talk about it yet. Um, but this is kind of some, some initial work that we've put together and, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really blown away. Yeah. So this one pager says like, uh, safety, uh, safety points for protests and it's, uh, cut into like, this is a summary, just a one pager. So people could like, share it and it's a small file size and print it in one page if they need to to give it to protesters right during the protest so it's cut into five sections what to wear what to do what not to do how to deal with tear gases what to bring with you the things that you need to pack right so i don't know there's like a really really good actionable um helpful tools and advice here for making you know, to keep the, keep yourself safe, keep yourself and others safe during your protest. Like I didn't know that you're not supposed to wear, make sure you're not wearing any cream because um, tear gas actually could like stay longer on your skin and burn if you have like any lotion on. So don't wear any lotion on your face. That's important. Like I didn't know like cigarette smoke could actually help with like tear gas to make it the, or, and you and that you're not supposed to wash it with water. Like I don't, there's a lot of, different things what to wear like also yeah like wearing things that makes it harder for you to be identified like not to wear something um that is unique so not you're not easily identified um what kind of hats what kind of headgear to use what kind of um, goggles to use how to cover your mouth with like a, a cloth that is soaked in something acidic like lemon juice like that's pretty these are you know i didn't there's a lot of good sources for this information and somebody summarized it translated to persian and came up with a beautiful design that is easy to read and easy to print so this is very helpful and we already like are spreading it among the persian community and sharing it around and asking them to share it around so i think this was very helpful and thank you susanna for 
giving us this content to translate, but also thank you to the people who are who did the translation who we can't really name. Uh, the main person that is translating this is in Iran himself, and he's doing this secretly. Uh, so thank you for doing that. I appreciate all your work. Anyways, but we can't give you credit, obviously, because of safety issues. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and it should be noted that like this isn't supposed to be a... There's, there's a phrase that you put in the um, Persian Telegram channel when you posted this, but basically like it's it's not an all-encompassing medical guide, right? These are supposed to be generalized information that could be the most basic things that you can do to prevent loss of life, like how to tie a tourniquet, stuff like this. This isn't the end-all be-all of um, medical information. So it is important to say that, of course, and we make that clear within the guide itself. Um, but... Um, this is not the end of this project. And we have other things that are coming and we will bring them to Atheist Republic in due time. So to the broader community, I mean. Um, so I don't know. I'm so proud of all the work that they're doing over there on that side of things. I love coming to, you know, this side of Atheist Republic and talking about what all the different branches of our community are doing because oftentimes things are separated and people might not know, you know, what, our community is doing over there. So I, I don't know. It's such incredible work. <laughs> it's I love seeing you so proud like that. So it's like, <laughs> you mean when we do projects like this, that Susie really believes that it's doing something because she got into this for a project like this. So when we actually do stuff like this, you can see her like be <laughs> proud. <laughs> Look at it. <laughs> She's so happy. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, soon I'm going to, um, next week, I want to come with um, social media posts that I've made so that people can scan QR codes and share this across their social media networks. So I want to come and make that available to other people, like make that av available to our community so that they can spread this across their social media networks as well. Hmm. Hmm. What was I saying? Oh. All right. I want to make one more point. Um is sometimes are we done with this because i want to make a final professor point. ritt is saying this is why i'm proud to support atheist republic oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> the love <laughs> oh happy susie is apparently even better than poochie okay people like to, uh... <laughs> okay 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 but guys we have to go but i do have to say one thing mm -hmm. Tomorrow is Diwali. Oh, amazing. So happy, happy Diwali, I Diwali, guys. already happened. No, I just checked Diwali 2022 is October 24. Happy Diwali, everyone. Happy Diwali. That's crazy because yeah. in my mind, I'm not even kidding. I literally thought it already happened like three times this year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have so many different celebrations there. So I think you're talking about something else, Hindu celebration or something. Yeah. Maybe. But, yeah, I feel, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm like, I thought that already happened two or three times. <laughs> Do you watch The Office? Every time there's Diwali, I always have this song come to my head. Like, if you're Indian and love to party, happy, have a happy, happy Diwali. Did you hear that? Like, you know, <laughs> No, but that's funny. 
<laughs> Anyways, guys, happy Diwali to anybody and everybody who's celebrating the celebrating it. I wish somebody would invite me to Diwali party somewhere because Same. I know they're very fun. Yeah, is they're very fun. They're very colorful. The smell is amazing, you know. And the, the only there's only one thing that is a problem with Diwali. You will gain weight because the food is just too good. It's just very very good. No, and they're fattening. Yeah, they're. Fattening. Yo, I know what I want to eat for dinner tonight. God damn, butter chicken. I want butter. Chicken. Oh god. Oh my god, I need a good curry. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, now I'm seriously hungry. Okay, anyways. <laughs> okay, guys. Okay. Please make sure to like the stream, you guys. We talk about controversial things that YouTube doesn't like, but I still think they're important because they help raise awareness, we help fight superstition, and we help build atheist community for people who don't have it where they live or it's dangerous where they live. So please give us a like. Um, it's free. It doesn't cost anything. You can support Atheist Republic other ways, like on PayPal or supporting us on patreon link in the description um also sign up for our newsletter so that if we get banned from anywhere because we tend to get banned from a lot of places because of religious people attacking us um you always know where to find us because we can always contact you on our newsletter so linked is also in the description for that and um thank you for being a part of this community like our community comes together in creates these like materials to try to help people in Iran, like um, international protests for atheist prisoners like Sohail Arabi. So we do a lot of good stuff together and I'm really proud to be part of like a global, internationally active, compassionate atheist community because a lot of other communities like don't care about international solidarity, but I think we really do. That's my favorite thing about our community. Okay, but guys, subscribe to the newsletter for another reason as well. We have very sexy blasphemous art that you get for free if you're subscribed yes. to our newsletter. We we send them to you every week, okay? Um, we have some good ones coming out. Yeah. Christopher saying, I came in just to like. Thank you, Christopher. Guys, like the video, please. Um, also, there's a... This, I'm going to try this curry because Satya said so, if I, if I get a chance. Raj curry. I want a good spicy curry, okay? This is one I have, of the best okay. vegetarian. I have been in Austria, and Austria does not know what real spice is. It drives me crazy. The spicy versions of foods is flavored with paprika. Paprika isn't even spicy. I was like, as a white American, I thought we were supposed to have no spice tolerance and no culture, okay? And then I come here, and I'm like, the spicy thing is paprika? What is this insult? So anyways... <laughs> I want some properly spicy food, okay? <laughs> okay, two more things. Um, Ayan is saying Susanna is the most beautiful atheist. Wow, that's amazing. Well, okay. Thank you. That's a good compliment. Also, well, this is a good opportunity. Which way is saying Blasphemous Art website is blocked in India? Well, you should use our link for NordVPN. Guys, if you don't have a VPN, first of all, what are you doing? Everybody and their dog has a VPN right now, okay? <laughs> so... <laughs> So if you don't have a VPN, please be you, be kind and use the link in the description because if you use the link in the description, we get something out of you getting a VPN. We, we NordVPN is the one VPN that me and Susanna use. So the link to NordVPN is in the description. It's, it gives you a discount as well if you use the link. And it um, supports and, Atheist Republic. 
supports Atheist Republic. So use it. And then when you have the VPN, just, just switch it so that you are from the US or Canada or whatever, and then you have access to our website. Yeah, but guys, we have been blocked. Our Atheist Republic has been blocked in India. Our Blasphemous Art website has been blocked in India. So you would need to use a VPN to be able to access our website. We've been sanctioned by India more than any other country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Which is crazy. We've, we've been sanctioned by India more than Pakistan or Iran. Or like, Iran. Yeah, yeah with the, or Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and that's the link. Thank you. Uh, yeah, guys, you get a huge discount if you use our link as well. Okay, guys, thank you, everybody, and see you again next week. Mwah. Come to Atheist Republic, where I rant about leftist liberalism and lack of spice. That's what you come yeah, here for, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.